Hey, it's Sean here, and John and Nathan are back from the States. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey, Seattle. That's where we were at. Seattle's nice. Was it overcast all the time? Uh, It rained heavily on the day we drove in, and it rained on the day we left. While we were there, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was weird. There was like a nice window of time where nothing happened. Nothing bad, weather-wise. So, cool. That's awesome. But we're not going to talk about Seattle yet. No. We're we're going to talk about about the top-down perspective on September 5th. <laughs> wow, I thought you were just going to roll right into We're going to talk about the video games I've been playing. Cause well, I'm, I had to introduce the show first. Like, I guess that's true. This is a professional production. Right, right. Is it really? No. Yeah. Te- t- under the t- definition we're under, of under the guise. No, it is not a professional production. It we're is a the production of professionalism. Source. It's an amateur production. <laughs> Sorry. I'm yeah. Sean Booker. I'm hosting. Yeah. I'm joined with Nathan Rohr. Yep, hey. And John Wheeler. Yo. Now, we're obviously going to talk about PAX, but I want a little bit of the spotlight, and mm-hmm. I would like to talk about what I've been playing. Right off the if, bat? If, if people, like, because I know everyone's like, man, I can't wait to listen to PAX, and now I'm like, hey, you guys want to hear about what I did? And everyone's like, oh, fuck's sakes, shut up. But you guys want to hear about what I've played? Well, yeah, you've been playing new video games, so... I played some new video games. games. So I'll I'll quickly quickly just do this, and then we'll get to what the fans are here for. But I I finished up and reviewed Rayman Legends. um, Nice. Review up on Comic Book Bin if people want. That game is a lot of fun. Um, Yes, yes, it is. And John, you played it, so you and I can talk. Uh, The water level in platformers is always garbage. Mm -hmm. The water level in Rayman, I think, was probably my favorite. Uh, the bouncy island one? Like 20,000 looms under the sea? Yeah. Just because of, like, the stealth elements, that was really cool. It, surprisingly, yeah, I thought it was going to be super obnoxious, and it was really good. Now, you played the, no, you had the Wii U version as well, right? I, so I had sent to me the Wii U version and the Vita version. I played all of it on the Vita version, and then I kind of went back just afterwards, play a little bit of the Wii U, just to see if it was kind of what I expected, and the same. And Mm -hmm. it was, um... I'm assuming just, those are like the two most similar because they kind of have the same, you know, touch integ- integration yeah. and whatnot. So now uh, this is the question I want to bring up to you because it it crossed my mind oddly enough during the twenty thousand league stages. Were there points where the Murphy controls for touchscreen were blocking see- blocking you seeing what you were actually doing in the stage, or were the was the platforming automated like in the Wii U version? The so when I can on the Vita version when you control Murphy, um. Who's the other guy? What's his name? Uh, it's Globox, but Globox. he's but he's like the Sir Globox. He's like a, a reskin. Okay, well, whatever. But yeah, Globox is controlled by a computer, so he moves around. Okay. Um, that is the exact same as the Wii U version. Yeah, that that's yeah exactly. Um, the only problems I had, I would actually say, the Murphy stages kind of suck if you're by yourself. The Murphy sections. Yeah, because Globox yeah. is an idiot like half the time. Yeah, no, I I had some AI pathing issues as well at yeah. certain points. Also, and I don't know, I wasn't able to test this on the Wii U one, uh, but on the Vita one, several times it would just lose calibration when I'm rotating the device. Um, I did not have that problem with the Wii U version, and there were literal moments where I was just spinning the controller in midair. See, I was trying a lot of times where it's like, "Hey, I need this to go upside down," and it would just stop rotating and like go back to center, and it's like, "What what are you doing?" I, I don't think I ever had that problem with the Wii U. Yeah, that and I was on purpose trying to cause that. Oh, okay. I wasn't on purpose. I needed it to work, and it wouldn't. 
So I remember this one stage where I was just like, keep going. And like, I could just continually watch it lose calibration. It was weird. Um, but you know, it's, they're designed for co-op, so that's great. One, it, the other one issue I had, and this is an odd issue, cause, uh, cause this could be almost be, this is, this is deliberate, but, um, when you get to the final few stages, the timing, you, you're constantly, you're, a lot of them you're just constantly running and then just avoiding stuff. I found that the, the degree of timing and precision you needed on the, like, avoiding obstacles or jumping from one wall run to the next mm-hmm. was so tight, it was basically like a blind quick time event. Do you kind of know what I, I mean? I, I do a lot of challenging platforming, so maybe I didn't notice that because it felt felt like that's just what I was used to at this point. Well, I found but like I, it was I, almost I agree like, there are some points where it's like, oh, I just slightly missed the time and crap, now I gotta do it again. Well, it's like these levels and like, you know, maybe the wall will be chasing you or the floor will be chasing you. So it's like, you basically have to hit this jump exactly or you're just gonna lose and try again. And it's almost like, well, this is kind of almost not platforming anymore because when you're wall running, you just have to hold down R and then it's basically just hit X to jump randomly. So it's almost just like a quick time event. Well, here's the question: What were, what was the skull rating of those stages? Well, they would have been like higher up, like four or five or whatever. But like I'm saying, this is near the end of the game. Now, yeah, now you beat all of Origins, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, and like that got stupid hard near the end. So, I'm I'm sure Origins it, probably it had might, the same problem. I can't quite like remember. That, yeah. But it just this one kind of stuck out to me specifically. It was like, wow, the, like there is no actual. This almost isn't taking any skill. It's just how fast can can I make sure I press the button in time? And you're also not giving me a prompt. So it's kind of like I'm just hoping that I'm jumping if I need to or not. Like a lot of times it was like, oh no, you hit a wall. It's like, well, the wall was coming really fast at me and I didn't know if I needed to jump through it or under it. or. But yeah, that was only for a few stages near the end. I really enjoyed Rayman Legends. Uh, that game looks better than Origins, which mm-hmm. is crazy as well. I know. I can't believe it. it- yeah. Um, that was already pushing it a lot with UbiArt. All the sexy fairies now are like battle princesses, so feminism. <laughs> okay. No, because they're, they're not the same characters though. They're they just like now here's a new oh. playable character. Are you sure? Like like Barbara and all them. I don't know any of their names. They're the, the, the fir- girl. The ones. first one, yeah, the girl character, the one with the axe. That's Barbara. That's the main version. So is she not in Origins? Is that what you're saying? No. Oh, okay. Well, These are all just characters introduced for Legends. Well, okay, then I can at least say that all the boob fairies from Origins have been replaced with, like, badass women in this one. Okay. And are also playable in this so, one. So, yeah, feminism. There you go, see? It stands. Times have changed. Boom. Yeah. Um, John Leguizamo is not in this game, so just want to bring that up. He was, he was in Rayman 3. He was 3. only in Rayman 3. He was in Rayman 3. He was only in Rayman 3. So when you mentioned Glowbox, I was like, oh, does that mean everyone's favorite Luigi is in this game? But no, he's not. No. So that's that's all I've been thinking about for the last, like, two minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, so um, what if I didn't like Origins and I'm a bad person? Will I like Then you're one? not going to like Legends. Oh, okay, good. Oh, all right. Best way to put it, it's not going to change your mind. But uh, it's if you loved Origins, you do they, love Legends. Do they recycle some stages? In sort of one what of they, the versions or something is in all of them. Uh, oh, what okay. they did was because the development cycle got extended like half a year or two a year because of the that delay that Ubisoft pulled. Right, because it went from Wii U exclusive to cross-platform, like yeah. all over the place. Yeah. As a result, they added in, I believe it's 
40 stages from the original Rayman. Rayman yeah, Origins. That's what he said last time. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, apparently it's selling okay, at least according to Europe stuff. From Better than some, the first one. So. I don't know where I heard the numbers, but uh, last report I read said uh, 45% of the sales is Wii U so far, which is a good sign for Wii U at least. But Or that could be considered a bad sign for Rayman Legends. So either way. Maybe, yeah. Um, but there you go. So, And I will say the Vita version totally holds up fine and also looks great. I'm pretty sure you're okay. getting the exact same game. Uh, there, There is one feature missing. It's the invasion mode, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just read a press release earlier today saying that they're patching that in sh- shortly. Yeah, okay. so eventually eventually get re-added to the main game. Yeah. But uh, that game's, now, and the Vita version's also tw- 20 bucks cheaper, so that might be a, an avenue to go down if you're wondering. It? Oh, because it's 60 normally, right? 60 normally and it's 40 on the Vita. Apart from that, I did some more handheld gaming. I played the Room Epilogue. Yeah. Which, uh, is a free update to mm-hmm. uh, the room. Now, Brittany was pretty excited about this. She liked that game more than I did, apparently. She played it. I don't know what happens. I guess there's okay. another puzzle. It's it's right? a one more puzzle box. Like, um, puzzle box? Nothing kind of outstanding. It is just another puzzle box to go through, and I guess that's great. And then it says, okay. Room 2 coming late 2013. So yeah, if you owned, if you had purchased the room at any point, I uh, get the epilogue because that's free for you, and uh, it's a, uh, it's still fun, it's still the room. So, yeah, that's all I played. Uh, do you guys want to run through the news at all? Um, I don't know. Shouldn't we just get down to Pax business because it kind of rolls right into some stories. Yeah, a couple of the stories, or at least one of them, comes straight out of PAX. No, there's a couple. Okay. Yeah. Is that cool? Um, yep, sure. We'll just kind of start running down. Okay. I don't know, chronologically or game stuff that pops out in our minds? I, I'm not sure. Um, I what? say let's go on with PAX stuff. Okay. All right. But, let's like, games or news? Because, like, the first thing I did at PAX was a news story, essentially. So. Oh, then let's just go through news. There's, like, five things here. Right, okay. okay, fine. News, and then we'll go and go to PAX. Okay. All right, so Peter Molyneux, everyone's favorite, uh, the guy who made Curiosity, um, well, with, with 22 cans, which is presumably made up of some people. Anyway, uh, highly controversial dude, uh, Fable Games. Uh, highly controversial. More, more so because he promises things, and then they don't happen all the time, as he describes. He's too enthusiastic, maybe is fair to say. Um, yeah, I haven't been to a keynote at PAX before, so I can't really say whether they always go like this, but it was kind of just an ad for his new game. Like, it was just him kind of promoting it. Which I, is... I've been to keynotes before, and they've never really promoted games coming out. Uh, I know that I went to Warren Spector's, and he made, like, a passing remark about Epic Mickey, but that was about it. Okay, it wasn't like, here's a giant slideshow about how great Epic Mickey's going to be, because, yeah, that's kind of what this was, but for Goddess, which... You know, I was kind of curious about this game because I was one of those people that thought Curiosity was interesting. Um, I wasn't really angry at it. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is, I guess, him going back to God game formulas, like which is kind of where he started with Populous and Syndicate and stuff. Um, kind of revisiting the formula and also like just he self-admitted like just stealing ideas from Minecraft and Civilization and putting them in there. Um, did you did you watch this part of the show at all, or not really? 
Were you there, I John? I didn't catch it at all. Okay. Um, I had a I couple get... friends who were like, let's go watch Molyneux, because you know it'll be hilarious to watch, and I was like, I don't want to get up that early. Okay. Um, it, I guess it started with kind of like a slideshow of his career thus far. Um, I, those who watched the Saturn, Saturn stream, um, Magic Carpet, he himself does not like that game. So What? It's okay not to like <laughs> Magic Carpet. He said it was bad. So I mean, I guess I know it's not the best game, but I'm surprised. I figured Molly would have been all, all about Magic Carpet. Oh, okay. There was like one or two on his list of stuff that he was kind of like, uh, yeah, and then that happened. Anyway, moving on. Um, Fable, right, guys? Or whatever. Like, it was kind of kind of neat to see. Um, I'm not doing it justice, really, because I don't have the accent or any of the mannerisms or whatever. But uh, I don't know. He, he was reasonably charming to listen to. But uh, I guess the deal with Goddess is, yeah, it's a god game, but it's kind of... Uh, it's incorporating kind of some of the stuff about from Curiosity in terms of like you're on a giant shared space instead of a cube. It is now a giant Jupiter-sized planet, um, and you each kind of have a hundred kilometer square place in which you are kind of playing. I I, I want to say looked kind of like Age of Empires to me, but that is not the game he was citing. It looked like real-time civilization, I guess. You're kind of guiding the development of a society you are a god but there are hundreds or thousands or millions potentially other gods on the same planet and then there's a god of gods who is going to be the uh the contest winner for curiosity right what's his name again uh brian all hail brian yeah god of gods he made a Life of Brian joke on stage because it worked out pretty perfectly that his name is Brian. But, uh, yeah. So Brian is going to have, like, a different set of controls that kind of affect everybody playing. Was Brian there? Uh, Brian was game? not there. There was a picture of Brian, but that that was it. <laughs> That's there was a way. picture of your god. Yeah. Um, All hail your new god. See, Brian will only be god of gods for six months before he has to f- basically fight to keep his godship. So, but couldn't he make a ruling that the fight is gone? No, he does not. I don't think he has like that power. So there's to... a god of god of gods. Yeah, the god of god of gods is Peter Molyneux because it's his oh. game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but he the, didn't win curiosity. The developers at Twenty Two Cans are still ultimately in control of how this all works. But uh, in theory, the god of gods is also well. Actually, no. They they basically said the the guy the god of gods is also getting some manner of money from the game sales he's getting a percentage Mm -hmm. so that's especially going to be interesting when like the game launches in its in its early days which i guess is in a 10 days or something it's it's doing the early access uh steam thing which is just a new trend that i don't know minecraft kind of kicked that off i think it's safe to say right like it's an alpha but you can buy it right now thanks for helping make this happen um I don't know. I thought it looked kind of neat, but I seem to be one of the few people that felt pretty positively about it. A lot of people were, I don't know, that that I talked to, like, uh, over the course of that weekend or whatever. Like, a lot of people were kind of shrugging at it. Um, it has layers of soil in it, and that kind of, you can pull those around and change those, and then, like, craters form really naturally. I just kind of looked liked how that looked. So, wait, um, what do like, you do in your 100 kilometers? Uh, you uh, basically build a civilization. You have little dudes that you can kind of order around. Oh, right. You said Age of Empires. Okay, right. right. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, you're you kind fight of... fight other, other people? Uh, yes, you can. And you claim their areas, and then they're no longer a god? 
Well, that's kind of the, that was kind of the thing he teased and didn't really clarify. Is like, well, you can mess around in your giant space here as much as you want. Um, once uh, players start uh, filling their hundred kilometer square and start crossing over to others, he was kind of like, well, what's going to happen at that point? It's kind of up to the community. I suspect you guys will be really nice to each other, which kind of bothers me. But we put all these combat mechanics in here, so if you want, you can have weird uh, battles. I guess, like, yeah. All of it sounds like it's really just point for point taken from his previous games and how he feels about them. Like, specifically the multiplayer, he kept saying Dungeon Keeper. He liked how the multiplayer worked in his earlier game, Dungeon Keeper, so some of those ideas are going to be in here. So what's he taken from uh, Magic Carpet? Is it those sandworms that shoot fireballs? I hope I it's think, actually the Magic Carpet so. itself. Yeah, no, maybe you unlock Magic Carpet. There, I mean, there's, like, god powers in it, so magic of sorts, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what he's taken from Magic Carpet. I'm assuming not that much. Um, but yeah, maybe I don't know. Of, maybe it, one of the skill trees unlocks you a Magic Carpet that shoots lasers. Maybe. Isn't that what but, you shoot in there? You shoot lasers in? Yeah. You shoot I, something, right? In Magic Carpet? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I think it was just weird orbs or something, but I honestly don't remember much other than that game's draw distance was kind of a detriment to everything. <laughs> but it wasn't as bad as Sonic R. It wasn't as bad as Sonic R. But everybody's supersonic racing. That song, yeah, but that's that's all that game. I don't know. It was kart racing esque. Whatever. Um, yeah, this game's gonna debut for like nineteen dollars. I'm sort of curious about it. It it looks kind of. I mean, I like Age of Empires specifically for like just building up a civilization and kind of peaceably going from age to age and all that stuff and seeing things change and whatever. Um. That this game seems to be kind of, like, happening while you're not playing it, too, is potentially alarming. Like, I could have my awesome little civilization going on and then not play it for a few days and then come back and find out that someone from another, like, square entered my space and totally ruined everything. So it's the (laughs) new SimCity, basically. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure how that stuff's going to go. I also don't know, like what is the point of having this giant sphere if, like, only so many people are playing it? Like, what is the point of all that extra space or whatever? Like, there, there's some kind of weird... It's for one person to take it all over. Yeah. And, like, the specific reason he cited for why is it as big as Jupiter was, well, Minecraft's as big as Neptune, so we had to <laughs> one-up them or whatever. Like, yeah, it seems, yeah, a lot of Minecraft DNA in terms of, like, just a weird space for you to mess around in. But, like, really specific gameplay objectives, too. Like, there's basically an achievement system that is just, like, cards you get for doing specific stuff. So it does really seem like... Oh, yeah, it that's to... called Steam. Yeah, but not... Oh, no, these are within the game cards. He, he talked about collecting I know, uh, I was cards. Just joking. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just basically regurgitating all the stuff he said. I'm going to say I'm kind of interested, but that's just because I kind of... Like, like have some early gaming memories that this reminded me of that it's so combat centric is maybe a little disappointing because that's the stuff I didn't like about Age of Empires like I just wanted to build a little thing and then dude started attacking me and she's like no I just want to build ships I just want the ships because they're ships um so I don't know I, it's it could go either way for in me, Age but. of Empires you attacked other people I know you kind of have to in order to win, but I would spend the maximum amount of time just, I guess, turtling. I, I don't the think there's really a game out there like that that doesn't have combat in it. I know. Is it SimCity? Yeah, Is actually, yeah. Game? Maybe SimCity. I guess, but I mean, like, that also has, like, disasters and stuff, and, like, the new SimCity 
I guess you can kind of mess around with towns by having a crappy town next to a good town. Right. So there's, like, trolling and stuff on a meta level, but it's, there's no, like, overt military stuff. Like, Civilization 2, like, I got that because everyone was super excited about Civilization 5, and that's just like, well, there are other ways to win, but people are still going to attack you. I was just like, I don't want to play this. So, I'm a pacifist, man. I just want to chill out. Just but like, human wow. is not a pacifist. No, I know. So did you ever, did you ever play Alpha Centauri? No. I, I get the feeling you would probably have enjoyed Alpha Centauri. Is that just a, like civilization builder? Not so much. Uh, a... it, it's it's kind of an Age of Empire style game, but I believe it had a smaller focus on combat. I can't remember for sure. I only played a couple rounds. Okay, but it like I mean, like your kind of game. It's conceivable there's RTSs out there that I would be way into. Like maybe I should play Tropico, but. I haven't that too, yeah. considered that yet, because, like, I mean, it's supposed to be kind of SimCity, except it, you're a corrupt leader, right? Like, more so than in S- Super Nintendo SimCity, where you're building a mayor's mansion with the city's budget. That's villainous. You're not supposed to do that. But, I don't know. Uh, Goddess was a thing, and that kicked off stuff, but whatever. Um, beyond that, like, what were you doing minute one of the Penny Arcade Expo, John? What sleeping. was happening? Oh, sleeping. Okay. Because idea. I had an hour and a half of sleep, and then I did a 15-hour drive. So gross. You were driving too, like yeah. Okay, because like I had a terrible sleep the night before, but it kind of didn't matter because I was just sitting in the back of the car listening to audiobooks. There were so. there were two of us in the car that could drive, so we tagged off. I did the we we switched off every three hours basically. Okay, that sounds rough. And Go then ahead. I just ended up doing the final portion because I was driving faster. Okay. Uh, did you do the traditional game works night upon arrival or no? Yep. Okay, would you would you play at the arcade? Oh, I guess I never even thought to list that. Um, just highlights. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I went to GameWorks twice. Uh, first night and last night. Okay. Uh, first night I played a lot of Pac-Man versus so that four that Pac-Man Battle Royale game they have. Ah, yeah, yeah. That game is super fun all the time. Uh, actually, I think that's the only game we played that night because a lot of people. I just watched a bunch of people play the uh, the coin game or the ticket games like the Plinko. Mm-hmm. So a bunch, I was just kind of hanging out, being social with them while they were doing that. That game sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but they were it? they were winning tons of tickets from it, so that's why they kept doing it. That that's I don't understand. I don't. That. Yeah, I don't get it. Like I've seen that happen at arcades too. It's just like, well, there's video games over here, or I guess you could. I've seen that happen at like bonkers, but that person was five. <laughs> okay. And then yes, they won the ring pop. Well, this person got like 3,000 tickets and got a giant stuffed animal and bought everyone a couple of small things. So I got a deck of cards out of it. Nice. Whoa. Nice. You can play games with those. You can play games. That's true. Yeah. I, I usually have a deck of cards with me when I go to anywhere just in case anyone wants to play like poker or something, but rarely ever happens to be the case. Okay. Um, so, and I, right, and I so, forgot one that year. So, so Pac-Man versus a whole bunch of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I walked around a bit. Oh, uh, we played a bit of Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Okay. Because it was the only funny game that was free at the time. At the demo station at EB Games. That's where you honed your skills. On the well, streets. this is the arcade version, so like half the characters that were in that aren't even in that one. Is Frank West in it? Nope. Well, then throw He's that away. To the Wii U, is the Phoenix Wii Wright in it? Nope. That's Marvel vs. Capcom 3, the ultimate version. Uh, <sighs> Alright. So there was a terrible version of Tatsunoko. Is Mega Man in it? Uh, the Dash version or Legends version is. I don't Speaking even, I of no Mega Man, John, did you go to Inafune's panel? 
No, I did not, but I wonder what you are transitioning into. Well, I didn't go either because I assumed it would be really busy, but what I heard on the internet was he started a Kickstarter there for uh, Mighty Force 9? Mighty Number 9. Mighty Number 9. See, you were paying attention. Um, There's a new game from that dude coming out, and it already got Kickstarted, so you don't even need to worry about it. It's already going to happen. By a lot, actually. Uh, as of right now, I actually have the Kickstarter page open. It is at one point six seven seven million dollars. Its original goal was nine hundred thousand. There you go. So, what what is this though? Did you actually pay attention to how he detailed this thing? I haven't watched the video, but I've read through the Kickstarter, and the gist is that he's basically creating a spiritual successor to Mega Man, or at least that style of gameplay, a Japanese action run-and-gun type game. Like the closest spiritual successor you could think of. Yeah. Yeah. And which, considering he worked on pretty much all the Mega Man games, that kind of makes sense. I'm kind of wondering, did he have a direct hand in, like, 9 and 10, or were those kind of done... By uh, just Mega Man fans, like, he was no nine to ten were were into creates, which is the guys who did the Mega Man Zero games, right? But like, did he enjoy like did he do that? In he was way? involved in it at some point, I'm sure. Like, okay, uh, he was probably director on it. Okay, because um, that was while he was still there. Yeah, uh, when, just yeah, he, when he, he left, it was left when Legends home. Three and uh, Mega Man Universe were in the process of being made. Okay, um, I don't know. Are are you interested in this? Did you back it? I have not backed it yet. I'm trying to figure out. We don't even need to. I want to get on. Yeah, it's already it's already done. I want to help it reach stretch goals because right now the next stretch goal it's trying to reach is 1.75 million, which means it gets a making up documentary by I can't remember their names. Two player productions, like same guys who are doing ones for same guys who are doing everything. Yeah, the famous like if you're making video double fine mainly, but yeah, if you're making video games, these guys will document it for you. So. That's which is interesting, at. too, because it's Japanese game development, which doesn't really get that much coverage. Yeah, so there you go. A window into the uh, other side. The main important stretch goal to reach, though, is 2.2 million, which gets uh, PS3, 360, and Wii U versions of the game made. Okay. What are, what are their current lineup of stuff? Just PC or...? PC, Max, and Linux. Oh, okay. And those only got... Mac and Linux only got added because of stretch goals. Oh. Hmm. I think it's. I think they also announced that this will be coming out 2015 as the current goal. Yeah, that's what it says in the actual uh, Kickstarter itself. Okay. So um, this is many years off, and there's uh, some of the uh, some of the backer benefits are like, oh, you can create a character in the game. Okay. Oh, you can make up a challenge for people in the game, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How I guess just briefly, like between these two things, like these are both basically Kickstarter stuff. Uh, you know, Goddess was also on there for a bit. How do we feel about all of these kind of just being ads for? future games. Well, isn't I, that the whole point of it? Well, yeah, I mean, like... Because the game wouldn't be made otherwise, presumably, well, in or this, would have been in this super case, restricted. Right, I know. I mean, in this case, that's fine. But I mean, like, you know, going to panels, and it's kind of just a promotional thing. Well, wasn't know? it wasn't just a general Inafune panel originally, and then it was like, oh, yeah, I got a surprise. Oh, I guess. But it kind of worked as a launch pad for, hey, here's a new thing I'm doing. Yeah, but I also feel that the people going to those panels have enough investment in the people like talking on there that they would want to hear about what those people are doing now. I yeah, I know. And, also, I, and yeah. also keep in mind, Nathan, that this Kickstarter broke its goal in less than forty-eight hours. People were still at PAX. No, I know. I'm not. I'm not like questioning like whether it was a good idea business-wise. I just feel it's weird to kind of wander into panels and they're all secretly just asking for money. It's like. 
charities or something. I don't know. It seems I guess, like, but I mean, like, Inafune also did signings and stuff like that and talked about his previous I feel like that's work, a, so. a large generalization. I'm just saying it, it sort of impacted, like, what I got out of this year's packs. I'm basically trying to get down to... Th- like, this This was a more commercial packs, I will be honest. Yeah, like, walking around, like, the indie booth stuff, too, like, it's just, like, everyone is kind of handing you Kickstarter links and stuff and just kind of, it's just like, all right, well, like, like, I, mean, hey, well, I don't even know if you're getting good. From their side... They have to get people backing it somehow, so... Yeah, like, that's how they get... That's the easiest way, probably, to get noticed. Right. I I mean, fair, but, like, I kind of just felt like I wasn't able to just relax and check out some cool games. It was more like, there's just a higher pressure to it. Like, it's just like, if you want this to even exist, you're going to need to give us some money. And it's like, well... Also, also keep in mind, if you're wanting to relax and play some games, they're wanting to relax and have a job. Yeah. But I mean, like, that just seems because, like, everything's gone to this self-publishing mentality, right? Like, right. who needs a publisher? Like, I, I want to make all that money myself. So, like, five years ago, like, my first packs, or no, actually, it was the second one I went to, like, you'd see weird indie games, like, I'm specifically thinking of PB Winterbottom, but those guys were just stoked because they had a deal with Ubisoft or whatever. So it was just like, oh, cool, I just get to play this, and, like, it's going to happen, these guys are fine because it, it's going to happen. Well, I mean, you know, keep, keep in mind, Kickstarter's only, like, super recent. Like, when was I know. the first of, like, two years, maybe, at this point? So we're still getting used to how useful this can be for game development. Right. It just seems to, like, be, like, literally everybody got on board that train. Like, I'm not seeing well, a lot it's of, working. like... Yeah, you can't be surprised. If it works, it works. Right. I and not having, not having a, uh, a company dictate what you can and can't put in your game is super liberating for any type of art style. And a lot of those indie games you love so much just wouldn't exist without this I, I that's the that's kind of the the story but i'm not sure anymore well just because like weird like weird stuff happened before like braid came out and it was published by microsoft right yeah but so that's one game versus like tons of indie games are now coming out on kickstarter right but are all of them like you know at some point it's just like are there too many like are some of these even good well then like, don't back it i i'm not but I, everybody wants me to. It's weird. I, I don't know. I, I felt like way more people were up in my face in a weird way this year than ever before. And the only, like, common link I could find was this, like, self-publishing thing. Like, Indiegogo, Kickstarter, all that. Like, there's a there was, like, a desperation in the air that was kind of weird. And I, I don't know. It definitely... I, I just could feel it. It was, it was freaking me out. Um, but anyway, sorry to get all, like, negative that early, but... There were games there, too, that I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. But, I don't know. Do I guess we could talk about those. John, what did you play? Video games. Oh, okay. Like uh, I played uh, this hot new game called Dive Kick. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, no, uh, the Dive Kick group uh, had, a, had a big booth there with all like, the crazy giant controllers, and I had a bunch of friends who had never played before, so I taught them about Dive Kick and played them with Dive Kick. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I also entered a dive kick tournament and made it to the second round, but then got curb stomped. Who were you playing as? Kick mainly. Okay. And who stomped you and how? Uh, dive. And by <laughs> jumping on my toes. Okay. I'm assuming he won by like, dive oh, kicking. S kill. He's so weird. But... No, no. I can't, I sort of knew what to expect with S kill, and I almost switched to uh, the Baz when I had a chance to change characters, but I stuck with kick. Mm-hmm. And but my I kept losing my momentum pretty bad. My final round basically went. Uh, I took first first point. Next two points I lost because the, his character landed literally on my toes. Mm-hmm. 
and that killed me. Uh, then he got his kick factor, which means he basically doubled in speed. And uh, I earned mine, but as su- just as he was about to kick me, so I lost it, and his carried over through multiple rounds, so basically I was stuck in a corner. Mm. So it, it was a very disgusting sight to watch. <laughs> okay. Uh, how many folks were in this tournament? Um, it was originally supposed to be 32 people. I think it turned out to be a couple hundred. What? Dive like, Kick had one of the biggest tournament turnouts. But, like, in terms of, like, people participating or... People participating, yeah. Oh, weird. Okay. They had, like, I don't remember how many people you can sign up on that one sheet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how they always have the one default sheet of paper that that holds, like, maybe 64 people or something like that? Well, yeah, like, I went to take part in the WarioWare tournament, but it was capped and full already. So I yeah. just kind of shrugged uh, they, they filled away. out three of those sheets for Dive Kick, and there were still more people coming in. Okay, that's that's cool of them to kind of allow that to happen. But... And there were a number of, like, high-profile fighting game players that were there as well. Okay, who, do you know who won? Or uh, I don't, but I believe it was a female player. Okay. Who said that she'd only showed up because her boyfriend dragged her there. So I think she was sharking people. Oh, okay. Sharking? Yeah, you know, like lying, saying you're bad at the game, and then just kicking everyone's ass. Oh, like a, like a hustle. Like, like yeah, that, it's, yeah, it's another way of saying hustled, yeah. I gotcha. So, right, pl- playing coy, like just being like, oh, I don't, what's this? What's the fighting game? I don't know. And then total destruction. Cool. Dive okay. kick. Mm-hmm. Um... What other stuff? I also play this hot, hot new game called Cloudberry Kingdom. Yeah, Man, I saw you that do was packs there. weird. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. Uh, I found out that the, the Cloudberry Kingdom devs were there, so I wanted to go and say hi to them because I was in their tournament. Mm-hmm. So I, I went there, struck up a conversation with them. Did they know then, you? Yeah, no. They, well, once I I said like, "Hey, I'm John. I was in your tournament." And they're like, "Oh, dude, how's it going?" And we just, we there was like four of them there. We had a good long conversation. It was cool. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, like, a guy came up and wanted to play, and they just threw a controller at me, and we ended up playing, like, a round of Cloudberry, so that took half an hour. Okay. Because you're the be- you're the second best. Because what? Because you're the second best, so that's why it took half an hour? No, because we... Well, cause, well they're better at the game, but, like, it, we got to, like, stage 100-something, so that a normal long round of Cloudberry takes about half an hour at least. Wow. Okay. So and I just did that. There was a tournament as well, but I couldn't make it because uh, my... My packs became way too busy, but uh, I ended up doing going that. I went. I talked to the Charlie Murder developers as well for a while. Uh, they told some really cool stories, like just development stories. Or... Yeah. Okay. I saw that was there. Development but... stories and how the business is, and just like working on the game and like all these different things. It was really interesting getting their perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sunday was my main actual day to enjoy new things, so I got to try out the Oculus Rift. Okay. It, was it the 1080p one they had there? Or? No, it was the SD one, but it was the one that had the VR controllers. Oh, okay. So what did you play with it? I, so I walked is... past that area. Like, was it Hawken or what is it? They had? that that was down on the fourth floor on the on the indie floor, the sixth floor. Oh yeah, that that's where they had this. Oh okay, I didn't actually know it was there too. But okay. so basically, there were two wand controllers that you put in your hands. They had like buttons on them and uh, control sticks, mm-hmm. but you can move your arms around and they would is move this around the, Hydra in the game. Thing? Uh, I don't remember the name of it. That sounds right. Okay. No, no, the Hydra's the the uh, treadmill, isn't it? No. What's the name of the treadmill? I don't know the name of the tr- treadmill. The treadmill was there as well, but they were not letting people demo it. They just had someone keep getting into it and playing Half Life Two. <laughs> okay. But it was it was interesting to watch because like he was running around on this like faux treadmill with like these weird balls, uh, ball bearing extensions on his shoes, 
shooting a gun everywhere, and it was like following his controls in the game. That's pretty cool. I bet so he looks real cool. cool. He looked like the future. Yeah, great. That sounds like the future. I'm, that sounds awesome. But okay. So what do you think of Oculus Rift? Uh, the Oculus itself, really cool. Yeah. The controllers need work. Okay. Which, I mean, the, the reason they were there was to promote the Kickstarter that was starting for them. See? I know. It's so not the Hydra, because the Hydra's yeah. a thing. Yeah. Is the Hydra the thing? Hydra is a thing already, so this must be another thing they're doing. Yeah, I cannot remember the name of it, but they were just there was these handheld controllers that let you move your arms around in the game properly, and you could pick up items with them, and it would you control your movement with them. Uh, they needed work because like they could only sense so much range of motion. Eventually, I got to a point where I turned my wrist, and then my my hand in game suddenly snapped. What? And then your Whoa. hand in real life popped off. Wow. Yes, exactly. That's how it works. What happens in the real in the game happens in real life. Yep. That's where this is going. That's the future. Yeah. I hope so. The Wait. guy said the guy's like, "Look at your watch. Check out see what time it is in the game." So I look at the watch and then suddenly I turn my wrist a little bit more and then suddenly my rips my wrist snapped and my watch was sticking through That's my hand. That's cuz the developer was slowly pickpocketing you while you had these goggles on. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, why don't you lift up your watch a little bit?" Are no, I had I had friends with me. What did so. you play anyway? Uh, on the Oculus, it was the weird like demo where you're just inside a house. Okay, so I, think, I, I think it was just that. the default Oculus demo. Okay, that sounds neat, but I haven't I haven't seen that. It was weird uh, indie games when I played it. I was running around like punching sunflowers, and I threw a bunch of chairs <laughs> into a fireplace. <laughs> All right. And did you uh, really believe you were there? If the if the controls were more one to one or worked better, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I got a like. I got motion sick kind of at some points because, like, you would move when you didn't intend to. Yeah. With the control, because the controllers were obviously demo machines, so they were just, like, not fully calibrated or they would just, like, slide around a bit more than you sh- you'd expect. Right. So I'd be staring down at the floor trying to pick up something and suddenly I'd keep walking left and it would feel really weird because my mind thought I was moving, but I knew I wasn't. Wow. Okay. So this is more an issue with the controller thing, not the. Yeah, no, the VR though, right? itself, fine. The head tracking works great. Uh, the dev that was there almost kept having people smack their head into a table. Okay. Because he kept saying, look in that fireplace. Now stick your head in the fireplace and look up to the chimney. You can see up the chimney. Yeah. But to do so, you would have to put your head dangerously close to the co- the uh, the table in yeah. front of you. No, so it's kind of great being... It's kind of great being in the line with someone who's playing Oculus, because you just get to see how silly you're about to look. Cause yeah. Just, like, twisting all around and, like... Yeah, it's kind vomiting of vomiting everywhere from the motion sickness. Yeah, on that roller coaster or whatever. You're like, I can't wait for the future. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. Did you get pink eye or are you? Good? No, no, they cleaned the lens every time. Okay, which was just, smart. That was a weird like rumor. I've just been. I also have my glasses too. on. Okay, okay. You can still get pink eye with glasses. Well, I'm just saying, I slip my glasses as close to my face as possible to make sure it didn't yeah. actually touch anything. And, the, and and I, I rubbed like Purell all over my face after I was done. Yes, thank you for giving me that <laughs> Purell. By the way. Your eyes. I had to make this sure my eyes were clean. Pink eye. I had to make sure it was clean. I ended up using that whole bottle of Purell over the course of the show. So nice. I I think I actually still had a tiny bit left. Okay, I'm not sick either, so it seems to have worked, which is yeah more than I can say for one of my packed experiences. Swine flu. Remember that? Ugh, that was a thing. 
And then we were all scared when he came back that you were going to get all of us sick with swine flu. Yeah, so it's like, don't come to work, Nathan. Stay home. And then, and then that stupid family came in with, like, the two kids that had swine flu. Oh, <laughs> okay. I Sean, you were that. there for that one, weren't you? Back at the game store. Remember that? Sean? I guess Sean has left. Sean's um, internet is very bad, I've noticed. Okay. But hey, Sean, we're still here, and we're talking. We are still here, and we're still talking um, about video games. So moving now, on from the... Oh, I kind of want to ask a question just, like, generally, we were just talking about lines and stuff. Did you get in on the street passing this year? Because I did a little bit of that for the first time. Yeah. Um, with those four new... Did you have the four new games? Yes, we do. So Street passing takes forever with those four new games. Yeah. It's kind of terrible. <laughs> like, you want to just kind of go through and meet a bunch of weird people on, like, in the PAX line because they're there. But, yeah, it takes, like, 20 minutes, half an hour to do all those properly. And that's crazy. Like, me for specifically, which is fun. It's it's okay. But... I, I specifically stopped using playing me force. Right. It's just too much of an investment. It asks too much for that kind of thing. Yeah, so I, basically, I skipped it because it was the only way I could actually like keep up with everything else. So what, what were your go-tos? Puzzle pieces? Were you still doing the battle one? Like the I did parties? I did everything else. The uh, the Flower Town, the Warrior's Way, and the Monster Manor. Okay. I, I almost feel like I should have stopped doing Monster Manor too because that one took the most concentrating because you had to be like, okay, which floor can I go on to put this specific puzzle to get like these treasure chests? Yeah. Like, they're kind of weird because like, they're... You know, it's nice that they're deeper games, but they seem to kind of go against the quick check-in nature of... Well, I mean, this is a weird circumstance, because you're going to a convention where there's tons of people. That's, like, not every day. Mm. But it's definitely not helpful for that kind of thing. Oh, we broke broke a thousand. I'm not sure how far you're at with that. Oh, like you got a thousand Like a thousand unique street passes or whatever? Not just at at the convention? Like that's how many you got? You just... Yeah, no, we crossed that benchmark, I guess. Okay, I was gonna say. uh, I think I got 300 street passes maybe, which seemed to be on par with a bunch of people I asked. Okay. Who weren't like going out of their way to do it, but just when like when it crossed their mind, they'd pull out their 3DS and do it. Right, just passively like, well, I'm standing here for two minutes, let's see what we got. One of my friends got at least 900 and probably crossed 1,000 by the time he finally got home. Okay. Which is kind of absurd. That means that's pretty much all he did. Because he was playing all the games as well, except for Me Force. Okay. Wow. That's, uh, that's a lot and, of... And a thing to keep in mind for people who are wondering about Street Pass and saying, like, why, well, why don't you just not play the games? Yeah. You, you can. You can. You can just flat out ignore the games. But there are 22 new hats associated with each game. 23, technically, because you get one for beating a game the first time. Oh. They'll give you these coupons that you can use to pick up a hat for your me. Mm-hmm. So the more games you get and play through, the more hats you can unlock for your character. So it's kind of a weird toss of it. Like, do I want this extra content, or do I want to just ignore it? I kind of wish you could, like, save up groups of 10 as, like, basically credits for the games later. Like that would like... be super nice, but like at most you can do that with twenty, right? And then you can never street pass until you clear out like a set. Like you can't just start like adding people to like, hey, we're putting all these people in the me campground. They're gonna hang out here until we're able to do this later, and then you kind of just get home and you're like, all right, I got two hundred seventy dudes. Let's play some me force. That you know? would be incredibly convenient. That would yeah. be super nice. It seemed like the way it is right now, yeah, it was definitely more frustrating than fun at a certain point. So my line game started being uh, Ridiculous Fishing. I went back to that, which was one of the packs 10 this year, despite it being out. Yeah, um, actually, the uh, 
the PAX 10, oddly enough, had a lot of games that were already out. I think it was like half of them. Like, I don't know. At or least. maybe it was half of them I owned. Because it was like Rogue Legacy. Yeah, I have R- that. Uh, Ridiculous Fishing. Yeah. Uh, Towerfall. Towerfall, that's out if you have an Ooyah, but it's also kind of on its way generally. Um, what else was there? I can I can bring up the guidebook in a second here. Uh, but it was just weird that like the PAX 10 was... Because usually it's not games that are already out, right? I think last year it actually there was like one or two that were like, oh, actually this just came out on mobile or something. Like, But the, yeah, yeah, there was definitely stuff that was way further out, like the Swapper. Like, It's just like, oh, this is now yet. Yeah. Is it just that it, look, it might be because of a lot of the controversy that's been going on lately? But yeah, here, okay, here's a list of the PAX 10. Okay, Avalanche Two, Super Avalanche. Okay, Badland. That was out. That, that's out. I have Escape that. Goat Two. That's not out yet. Uh, Gunpoint. That's definitely out. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. That out. is not out. That game's cool though. I Owlboy. Elaborate on that. I don't. I think that's out. I don't know. I don't I'm have it sure. though. So. Uh, Ridiculous Fishing. Out. That has been out for quite some time. Rogue Legacy. Out. That, yep, finished that. So- Sokobond. Uh, that is not, I don't think. I played that, too. It's kind of weird. And Towerfall. And, yeah, Towerfall. Um, so that that's a good chunk of those already being out. Yeah, I mean, they're still cool. Like, I really like Rogue Legacy and, uh, you know, Ridiculous Fishing, but this it's kind of weird to just see them... Being promoted do you, do you think this is because of the controversy and a bunch of indies like stepping out? Because remember, uh, I know, Gone Home was supposed to be at PAX Australia and they they declined. Right, but like they are. Oh, was it PAX Australia they were welcoming? I as a think PAX Dan. I it was, it was one of the PAX. One. I know they said they're out. It, it was either Australia or Prime. It was around the time Australia was happening, so that's why I think it was PAX Australia. I thought it was Prime and they pulled out early enough to switch it out, but I'm not really sure. Um, I'm I don't assuming know. it's probably Prime because they're a small team. I doubt they were headed to Australia. Yeah, like they are I, just I'm north right of Washington, right? Like they're in Oregon. Yeah, PAX so... Prime. You, are, you guys are correct. Uh, right. They were accepted into the Indie Mega booth at PAX Prime. Um, north, south? South. Oh. Oregon is actually further south. My geography was wrong. I apologize. Uh, yeah, it's directly under Washington. Yeah. Wow, my mind has reversed all of those, but okay, weird. Um, anyway, no, I don't think that was necessarily the reason that that happened, but okay, I found out why I thought it was PAX Australia. It was yeah. because uh, a panel was announced at PAX Australia that kind of upset them, along with all the other things that was going on. Yeah, that's what it was. You're right. That that was okay. the spark for the latest wave. Well, the second latest wave of controversy. Now we'll get. Speaking into that. of which, should we jump back into news and go over let's, that? Let's jump back into that. I guess we might as well, considering we t- we're talking about it. Um, so Dick Wolves. Yeah. So once again, <laughs> subtle, subtle. Uh, Mike Krahulik, the artist at Penny Arcade, yeah. is uh saying some controversial things. Better known um, as Gabe. This was about him admitting that he thought pulling the Dick Wolves merchandise was a bad idea, and he regrets doing that. Right. Uh, the um, Dick Wolves, for people who don't know, is a joke from a comic they did years ago, where they were making fun of raping ago? people. Well, they were making fun of blatant uh, moral dilemmas in video games, like how obviously one-sided they are or whatever. Like, it's like, this is a really bad thing. Why would you do that? Um... And that kind of context just totally left immediately because uh, rape is pretty serious. And and there's a there's a Tumblr out there I was I was linked to. Yeah, it's actually just debacle.tumblr.com. Okay, and it actually has a timeline of everything relating to this Dick Wolves thing. Yeah, and it's it's pretty long. It's pretty thorough. Um, to the point where 
they had to kind of get rid of the original post and make a new one because just more stuff kept getting added to this. Like, but if you want to get like real edit. deep on like almost everyone that was like commenting on this, yeah, uh, yeah, um, debacle.tumblr.com. I guess it, yeah, it was just kind of weird to like leave the show and then check Twitter and it was just full of a bunch of people posting blogs about how they're either not going back next year. Or they will, despite feeling bad about it. Like, just kind of weird to see all these negative stories right after the show. And I guess it all stemmed from... There was a panel where Robert Koo interviewed Mike and Jerry. Um, and yeah, they, they at one point, he, he said that, you know, he regretted the decision to pull the merchandise. He has since uh, posted a kind of clarification blog on the Penny Arcade blog, kind of trying to say that was probably, like, you know, not not enough explanation was allowed there for him to kind of say that he kind of tries to make it sound like it's just like, I regret all of the things that have happened since we posted that original comic, though he still thinks that original comic is pretty funny. So everything after that, he's basically apologizing for now. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know how, like, I don't think the joke's that funny just person like i don't know if that even matters at this point but it's just kind of like seems weird to have See, all this stuff stem out of what was kind of just a lame shock joke in the first place i i think the thing is uh, a lot of people weren't really upset at the comic itself it was more how they reacted to the criticism right no, it was the follow-up comic. reading right? this timeline thing there was plenty of people upset with the comic itself okay well, but, but like i, th- I think then what, they got what, once yeah. again more upset with uh, you know, him trying to, like, make it seem fine and whatnot. It, yeah, it's kind of just kept going and going. Like, I mean, like, that might have started a little bit of a spark, but then they poured fuel on it, like, the next day with the rebuttal comic, which really they, kind yeah, of... Yeah, they did. Yeah. It, it seems to kind of make light of the entire thing. And, like, some of the blogs I've seen, like, kind of raise just good points about it. Like, it's just, like, once you're talking about a crowd as big as PAX, you know, like, 70,000 people or whatever, like some percentage of those people are actually, like, first-hand rape victims. So the people you are most upsetting are there in the room. Like, you you know, it's not... You don't need to kind of pile on and make light of all this stuff. So it, it's it's been kind of a really touchy subject around it. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, boycotting it and whatever, like, that's up to you, I guess. Like, some people were kind of pointing out that it's like... Well, I don't actually go to Penny Arcade for Mike and Jerry. Like, I don't even read the comic. It's just, it's a cool convention with, like, a lot of good community there and stuff. And that's still true. You know, like, the enforcers and everything are very nice and respectful. Right, but in the end of the day, you are funding them. Yeah, you are directly still funding them, which is kind of a justification for a lot of the boycott stuff, too. Like, Gone Home's uh, blog on that, like, the Fulbright Company, they, they cite that pretty specifically as being another factor. Um, and, you know, like, on the other side, like, the defensive side, maybe, like, they do, like, allow panels on all sorts of gender-related issues and stuff at, at PAX, like, we went to a couple of those. I did find it weird that, like, none of those specifically brought up, uh, like, the transphobia accusations, um, against Mike on Twitter that happened a few months ago. Like, that seems pertinent to stuff, but I guess maybe Well, it's probably like, because he wasn't there to actually discuss it. Right. Like, it, maybe it would seem bad form to kind of, like, go to the guy's house and then, like, make fun of your host or whatever in without him being there to defend himself. Like, I, I can see that being a, a rationalization for that. Yeah, but that, that's... I, I'd imagine that's the case. I don't know. Like, th- yeah, this kind of negativity coming after the show, like, that wasn't 
like really my per- I didn't really notice any negative stuff happening firsthand other than my perception of kind of everybody's trying to sell you something now which is weird. Um that was what gave me kind of a weird taste on the show but I don't know. John, did you have a fun packs? Are you going to boycott packs now? What do you uh, think? I don't have any current intentions of boycotting packs. Okay. Uh I well, Let's see what he says next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't I don't think I I don't see myself boycotting packs mm-hmm. per se. Um, this is, but this is a thing to be wary about, I guess. Right. I think it's just a kind of a take it, take it and see, see what happens kind of deal. Because I hate the fact that the person running it can ruin what is otherwise a really good convention. Because I've met so many cool people there. Uh-huh. Uh, I've done a lot of work at the conventions. And it's just, it's generally a good time overall. I don't want to just throw that away because one guy can't keep his mouth shut. Or just doesn't seem to right. Like I guess fully understand criticism. Like is I it, part of it's just a perception thing. Like it's like, do you actually feel like Mike is like really hateful and mean spirited, or is it just kind of like, well, maybe he's just kind of weird at expressing himself succinctly in a way that doesn't like cause controversy. You know, like Twitter. Well, the is way kind he's of amazing... always kind of put it is, yeah, he uh he he runs his mouth. And then when people begin to attack him, he gets pissed off, and then he just kind of, like, doesn't... Like, he, then there's just no filter at that point. Yeah. And I can see that so. definitely, like... Th- yeah, like, I mean, like, even the initial incident, like, fuel to the fire almost immediately, and then it just starts to burn out of control. Um, so I guess, yeah, check out this debacle Tumblr um, for the full breakdown. It of is what really happens. long, so yeah. get ready. Set aside some time to see that, but... I- I don't know. It, it was definitely weird seeing that happen after the show, but it didn't seem to really crop up while we were there. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not, and also, I'm not really sure how many of the people like reacting to this were at the panel. You know, like I've I've seen kind of different like takes on it. Like it's like, well, right after that, there was like someone yelling from the crowd, "Hey, like you should sell the shirts again," and they said like, "No," right away, like there's a little more nuance to some of the things that were said. Like, the one quote that's getting thrown everywhere is, like... Well, that panel was streamed on the internet, so you can go find yeah, it if you want. Yeah, you can, you can see, like, literally beat for beat everything that happens. You, you know, I've been kind of taking a lot of secondhand opinions into consideration when, like, maybe those people are being a little shrill. I don't know. It's There's a lot going on around this, but uh, let's get back to video games. Well, wait, we're let's just do these last news things. There's like two and they're super short. All right. And news is done. Okay. So, Xbox 1, we got a release date. It's November 22nd. Right. That was announced right after. Um So, one week after the PS4, which yeah. I mean, I guess everyone was kind of guessing they would one up them and go the week before, but no, week after, just in time for Thanksgiving. Right? Do you think this is a good Black idea Friday. or a bad idea? I want Black Friday, yeah. Um, I don't think it matters. It's an idea. Yeah, I mean, there there seems to be one kind week of, is not going to do anything. They'll sell out. Seems to be kind of the consensus. Like it's going to be a hot item anyway, and might as well just be there. But um, I mean, how many territories are they actually launching in? I think it's like thirteen. Thirteen. They dropped it down from like nineteen or twenty something to thirteen. Right. So. That might be a factor. I mean, FIFA's coming with it in Europe. Like, there's all sorts of little announcements around this. Um, I I don't really... I'm, I'm not planning on getting one, so I don't really care that much. But, you know, hey. I, I mean, like, now. Like, 
launch games are coming out. That's not really something to get excited about. Maybe when that Alan Wake, fall, you know, those dudes. Hey. What's their game called again? Uh, Quantum Break. Quantum Break. There you go. Or something like that. That sounds right. Yes, that does sound right. Now I'm just trying to remember their studio's name, though. Remedy. Quantic Dream. Oh, no, sorry. That, Quantic Dream is the heavy yeah. brain people. That's um, why, because I was like, Quantum, that doesn't sound right. No, Quantum Break is the name of the game, and Quantic Dream is a company that works for Sony. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff on that platform that could conceivably be interesting, but like none of it's coming right up front, so I wouldn't really worry about it for this, this season. Sean, though, you're you're a day one guy, right? Yeah, he's he's, to- yeah, he's totally out of the call again. He's gone. Oh man, I was gonna find out if he was gonna be there on November twenty second, but oh well. Um, I don't think he will, to be honest. Okay, do, are are any of us really? Are we even gonna do midnight for any of these? See, that's the thing because of like the weird heated nature of like going head to head with like the big platforms. I kind of want to almost just be there, but not actually buy anything. <laughs> Like, just kind of, like, line up and be like, yeah, man, cool, and then just, like, get a feel for the crowd and be part of the excitement, but then just kind of, like, observe and then leave and then talk you, about oh, it. Oh, like, not, I was going to say, if you wait for, like, the midnight walk, just walk in and pre-order, like, the other system when you get there. Or just buy, like, a Wii U game or something. Yeah. Just be like, oh, I'll buy Pikmin since I'm here. It's like, what are you, what, what are you doing? I don't oh. know, I had nothing else to do tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, that's happening, um. Then there were some details that kind of came directly out of uh, just kind of people observing stuff at PAX. Um, specifically, the PlayStation 4 controller seems to work on a PC with no issue. Um, that comes out of a Redditor just asking the Galaxy developer about it. And he's like, yeah, man, you just plug it in and it works. And then someone else pointed out, hey, yeah, the transistor ones were actually running on PCs too. And those were PS4 controllers. So, well, that's good because that's kind of one of the things that the Xbox has over the PS3. Yeah, I mean we have a 360 controller plugged into the PC right now, and that thing. I usually use a PS3 controller on PC, but I had to like use some crazy, yeah, like Korean drivers. Right. So making that as easy as possible seems like a really smart move. Um, so that's cool. Um, on the Xbox One controller front, uh, you can hook up eight of those things. I don't know which. Why. Well, well, the looks, PS3 can do seven. Yeah, which is a weird number. Eight makes more sense. Eight is an even number, but would it be like TV versus TV split screen multiplayer? Like, does it? Do I think it would depend on the game because there's games you can have that would not need split screen. They would just be like, oh, this person comes up at this point, or like everyone's on screen at once. Right. I am never in a scenario where I need. I'm playing the seven people. Well, I'll keep keep in mind, Rayman Legends can be five player on the Wii U. I was I played that by myself. Yeah. yeah, in my room alone. I put four control. I put four controllers in front of me, along with the gamepad, and then recorded five players because I needed footage of it. Five. There you go. Five secrets players. being revealed. Okay. Magic movie magic right there. Um. But just think, if it only supported two, your life would have been easier. Yeah, I'm trying mm. to think of like potential. I guess, you know, maybe it just opens it up for people to do weird multiplayer games on that There platform. are some games that use, like, the multi, or could use the multi-controller. Like, wrestling games always could support up to six players, technically. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing some sort of, like, super mega awesome Bomberman, it's got eight dudes playing. Well, yeah, like, the uh, last Bomberman that came out was supported up to eight 
See? Online, but four offline. Okay, but now you could do eight in the room and have the craziest Bomberman party. If if only Hudson Soft still made games that weren't on cell phones. Yeah, yeah. What was that weird, like, sorry, just now we're talking about Bomberman. What was that weird, like, open Bomberman type thing that was, like, online? You just play as all sorts of different characters. Oh, Bombermine. Yeah. What the, that, is that still up? Did that get taken uh, down? Yeah, I have, it's in my uh, browser links, actually. That's rad. It's in my link history. So there you go, phone those guys, and then, I don't know. Whatever. Um. Yeah. Controllers. Eight of them. Get ready. Goldeneye coming back. We're gonna do a super edition. Eight different consoles. I don't. I don't know. Um. But yeah. That. I guess bouncing back to multiplayer stuff in general. Sports Friends is pretty awesome. I finally played the other things in that that aren't Johann Sebastian Joust. Um. Only four players though. So yeah. Just four. Well, then and Joust can be up to like twenty something depending on what version you're playing. Oh. Okay. Was just like that would be one where seven move controllers might actually. Well, I mean, like sense. I saw like at least twenty people playing around at PAX, or like fourteen, a high number. At Maybe Joust? not the twenty. Like group. for Joust, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's the PC build. I'm not sure. That's the one I opted for in the Kickstarter selection or whatever. So I will not get to play Sports Friends for a while. But when I do, it'll be on a platform that you know is kind of flexible. So who knows? Um, have you played the other games in Sports Friends? They're kind of crazy. Like they're kind of awesome. I have no idea what games are in that list. Okay. I saw the Kickstarter, but I didn't back it. Uh, Bari Bari Ball, like, it just reminds me of playing as Kirby specifically in Smash Bros. Like, that just seems to be, like, a point of inspiration for that. You can jump, like, six times in the air, um, and you are basically just, like, combat- combating over a ball and trying to submerge it in the other team's, like, water on the other side of the screen. Um, and it's just, like, a crazy hectic battle of, like, jumping all around the screen and trying to grab the ball and then get to the other side. And, yeah, just, like, quintuple jumps in the air is, like, what's happening all the time. And if you you jump too many times over, like, nothing, you will fall off the screen and drown. Like, kind of, like, in a Smash Brothers thing where you fall off the edge of the arena or whatever. Um, so that was kind of fun. Uh, there was, I think it's Hokra is basically like a weird soccer type thing where very simple look to the game. You were just playing as a bunch of little like square numbers trying to like fight over a ball and then fill up an area of the screen, which is the goal. Um, You know, fill it up with your color and then you win. Uh, And then the other one that was probably maybe the most interesting was um, Super Pole Riders, which is by the guy who made Quop, uh, Bennett Foddy. So it's crazy, like, physics stuff. Basically, you have two teams, uh, two two dudes on each team. You have a giant pole vault, and your goal is to smack a ball that's running on a guide wire across the entire map, like, across the entire, like, screen. It's, like, 2D perspective. You're trying to hit that thing into uh, into the other team's goal. And you're controlling it with just the two analog sticks and, like, kind of planting your pole and, like, swinging your pole around. And just crazy physics nonsense is happening the entire time. And I was really bad at it. We lost, like, both of the games I played, but it was still pretty fun to launch yourself around with this giant pole vault and kind of smack the ball with the pole vault, kick dudes that are pole vaulting. Just weird nonsense happening. Um, So, yeah, if you can get four people in a room to play that, it's fun. But... I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's... Okay, that actually rolls right into a couple other multiplayer games I played, and I know you played one of them. Uh, Towerfall? Yeah. That was pretty fun, right? Towerfall is super awesome. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, you, did you play it? I assume just up at the uh, the booth there for it. Uh, I played it at E3 first, and um, then I also played it up at the PAX 10 booth there. Did around, I actually won, and I felt super good. Nice. We uh, I went to a party on Saturday. Oh, okay. And they had an Ouya there with four controllers, and like you, you have to play Towerfall. Yeah. So there was like thirty people like trading off playing Towerfall. It was amazing. It was super fun. Like that. I'm so glad they announced the Steam version of that game because I would almost consider buying an Ouya for it. But there's no online, so it would be only a party game yeah. until the Steam version. And now you don't have to. So yeah, boom. just needs. I had to wait like half a year or something crazy. Yeah, that is kind of unfortunate. But um, how'd you do? Like, did you? Trade trade kills getting caught on pretty fast. Yeah, it's super easy to pick up too. I like yeah. how it feels. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I guess if, like, there's a lot of crazy rules to it too. Like how so? Like, like the well, I mean, like uh, the first the first round I played had like homing arrows on, so you could only shoot in like the eight cardinal directions. Mm-hmm. And that threw me off dodging too, because like an arrow that seemed like it wouldn't hit me would suddenly just curve and strike me. <laughs> okay. But when they turned that off and like it was, it was awesome, it was just kept flying around, catching arrows and everything. It just felt so fluid, and it just felt so good when you'd actually win. Yeah. No, I I don't know. I was definitely feeling that. I guess like for those that maybe don't know what it is, it's a single screen arena combat game with archery, and there's just four dudes uh, battling over, you know, just getting ten kills. I I think is the default that we were yep. playing at anyway. Um, and yeah, I don't know, there's like a nice, like, nice little presentational things to that too, like, you know, instant replay when a dude gets killed, uh, different awards, kind of depending on the stuff you did that round and whatever, like, it's just got a lot of flavor to it too, for such a simple thing. I've heard a lot of people throw around the comparison of it being Smash Brothers with archery, which is kind of accurate. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, and I don't know, like, I felt really weird and cynical and kind of douchey, uh talking about Samurai Gun in relation to it, but I played that too, and it kind of seems really similar, just less deep, maybe? Like, and I don't, you know, I didn't play as much of it, you know, like, well, I didn't play much of either of these games, but, like, one clicked with me more than the other, and I kind of feel bad about it, but, uh, yeah, Samurai Gun, did you did you see that? No. Okay, basically, um, you know, same kind of single-screen arena, four dudes fighting it out, um, however, in that, you have a samurai sword and a pistol with three bullets. And essentially, you battle it out in much the same way. However, because there's less of a kind of nuance to the range stuff in terms of, like, I'm out of arrows, I gotta go get my arrows, like, that kind of stuff, like, it it seemed a little more simple. Which might be good, I don't know. Like, both, like, I think we might play three rounds. All of them were just chaotic. In a way that, you know, I I wasn't feeling like I was necessarily getting better or worse. It was just kind of like mashing on the attack button and, well, I got eight kills that time. Okay. Like, I don't know. I, I'm Maybe there's more to it. Like, I heard you can kind of slice the bullet with your samurai sword and kind of just, you know, time that stuff out. And maybe there's a little more variety you can pull off. But just because of the weapon of choice that is at the center of that game it didn't quite do it for me in the same way. But, again, you know, maybe maybe if you like one, you'll like the other, but maybe the opposite, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I felt bad, because, I mean, it's it's still, like, an indie game, and it's it's just kind of getting out there, but... Yeah, it's, it's it was weirdly similar to me. It seemed... It was strange seeing, like, a bunch of perception pieces kind of hit the internet of just like, man, Samurai Gun's crazy cool! It's just like, 
well, why didn't, why, you know, how do you, how do you write about this game without mentioning Towerfall? Because, like, they seem so similar to me. Like, I don't know. Really similar. I'm just going to say. Like, you know how Armageddon and Deep Impact both have asteroids in them? Mm-hmm. It was like that. Oh, they also came out around the same time, didn't they? Yeah. See? Or, like, you know, Despicable Me and uh, Megamind. It's like that. These are dumb comparisons, but that's all I got. Yeah, not not exactly the best. Like, uh, it's like Sonic All-Star Racing and Mario Kart. I don't know. <laughs> um, hey, that those were games. Um, yeah, Towerfall. In, in Ooh, yeah, okay, so. there we go. I should, we should point out, it's Samurai Gun, G-U-N-N, not one, not with one N, because that totally links to an anime. Oh, okay, yeah, no, sorry. I, I wrote down Gun in this document, but you guys can't see that, so... Fair enough. I guess good to clarify. Um, there is a Wu Tang Clan song in the trailer. I'm told so. If, if, that that's highly important. If that differentiates it for you, like it's like, oh, cool. That that's that's the one I'm gonna go with then. Then fair enough. Um, but yeah. Oh, hey, probably the coolest like just demo in terms of being all. I don't know. Like the the one that was like, wow, this is like about demos and subverting what demos are about, which is really weird. Uh, the Stanley Parable. Have you heard about the Stanley Parable? I've heard the name. Okay. Tell me more about it. Well, let me tell you. Um, there was a mod quite some time ago, um, Half-Life 2 mod, uh, called the Stanley Parable. And it got a decent amount of kind of press and coverage to some extent about being kind of a clever take on game narration and kind of just how... I, I, I don't know. I guess scripted games have become or whatever. Like, it is kind of a narrated game where the game's narrator is kind of constantly taunting the player and kind of messing with you. And that's not a great description, but that's that's kind of what I'm going to have to go with. Um, this demo was about PAX and PAX demos, and that was kind of funny. And it, it was kind of funny. Like, I, I was the guy actually playing it, um, and then eventually, like, a group of, like, 15 people formed around that demo station. They were just kind of laughing at me, the player, because the game was making fun of me, so that's a weird, specific thing that's kind of, you know, like, that game is a smartass, and I don't know how else to really say it, but it's kind of, that's what makes it funny. Um, there's a, Interesting. Yeah, there's a British man just kind of constantly ridiculing you and the things you've decided to do. Like, there was a point where the game stopped, the word apologize appeared on screen, and I was ordered to stand up and apologize to everyone around me for playing the <laughs> demo wrong. <laughs> so, Did you do it? Um, I kind of just shook my head and then verbally apologized, but I didn't stand and do the thing, so no. I didn't do what I was told, because, man, that game was mean. But, um, yeah, it's a first-person thing. You're kind of walking around, um, and... The game does do, like, environmental kind of storytelling stuff reasonably well. Like, just kind of like, hey, oh, yeah, this is our, like, demo assembly center. Go in here. Um, oh, here's the release date window, like, room. And then you go in there, and there's just, like, a blank, empty date on the wall. And it's just like, yeah, we're still figuring that out. And then you leave and head into, like, the uh, emotion center. And it's like, oh, yeah, here's all the different emotions we're going to have you feel over the course of the game. Um, right now, we only have, like, fear and excitement. I think it was, like, two two available. And you go up and press the button, and it just, a bunch of words appear on the booth. It's just, like, scary words or whatever, like, sad words. I think it was, like, sadness and delight. And it's just kind of, like, 
words and like a dude starts reading like this really moody poem about how sad he is and then you go into the other one it's like the same exact thing but happy words and it's just like what game was this again the stanley parable okay which i mean i've been kind of apprehensive about the idea of this coming to greenlight and everything because i'm just like well it's probably just going to be like the mod right and i've already played that so why would i pay for this but this demo kind of gave me a lot of faith that like if this dude can whip up like 20 minutes of original content just for his PAX demo, like, there's probably going to be a lot of weird new gags to be seen in the full game. So, I don't know. I am more intrigued by what that could potentially be in terms of just kind of a, like, almost the way um, Thomas was alone is like a commentary on weird storytelling. Like, you know, you just have a narrator and like a cube and you have a character all of a sudden. Like, yeah. this seemed to kind of be doing that, both, like, first-person, Half-Life style, like, environment-guided stuff. It's it's pretty clever. Like, it's... I guess the criticism could be, like, maybe it's too clever? Like, it's, like, too self-aware and too jokey and too postmodern and all this, like, to the point where it's, like, almost irritating. But I will still reluctant... Like, I will still check it out, I guess. Um, but yeah, man, that game is just going to make fun of everybody who plays it, so it's kind of a weird thing. But uh, That's usually the best kind of game. Yeah, I, it it was neat. It, it definitely stood out in a way that I, I was impressed by. Um, so, yeah. What is Tiny Brains? Oh, right, this is the game I thought you played, but you didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I did. Um, Tiny Brains is a four-player puzzle platforming game. Uh, you play as four genetically engineered mice who have superpowers. Okay. Uh, one has the ability to change place with something else in the world. Mm-hmm. So, like, they basically swap places. One has the power to force push. One has the power to force pull. And the other has the power to uh, make walls appear. So you have to get through all these puzzles using these four abilities. Uh, one of the cool things that we ended up having to do was there was a challenge where you had to push this ball up a tube that had all these like randomly disappearing panels by using like uh, each player using their abilities to work together. Mm-hmm. So like the, they'd have to put the walls in place to keep the ball from rolling down the tube. Uh, people would have to push it or pull it all away from holes, and then uh, the teleporter would have to keep swapping player the ball out of the way so it doesn't fall into the off the tube and everything. It was really cool. Is this playable by yourself? Uh, that's the thing I don't know, and okay. I didn't think to ask them. I assume that it would be kind of like uh, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, where you could just press the D-pad and switch between characters. Okay, so you don't you never need to be doing two things at once? Uh, there were some cases where it came close to that, and you definitely wouldn't huh. be able to do it with the tube. But I don't know. I I feel like this is probably going to be a mainly co-op game, and like that's going to be the best way to enjoy it. All the demos were co-op, so there was no point where we didn't have four players. Right. Or like I did not see people playing with less than four players. What's it coming out on? Uh, We played it on PS4, because we were using PS4 controllers, but I assume uh, it's also PS3, 360, because I seem to remember that being announced for that as well. All right. I'll look that up as well. Meanwhile, Nathan is... Scribbling something into his list. Yeah, sorry, I've just remembered the two more um, games I checked out in, in the same corner. Actually, uh, one has gotten a fair amount of coverage lately. I guess like there was just an interview that went up on uh, Gamespot with the developer uh, Matt Gilgenbach, who I saw on a 
on a panel. But um, Neverending Nightmares uh, is a horror game, I guess, that's coming out. Or, or Well, okay, a horror game that is currently on Kickstarter and could conceivably exist at some point, which is kind is, of a thing that's been happening. But um, Is this the one that had the booth where you had to go into, like, a, a uh, go past a curtain? To play? Yeah, yeah, there was a black curtain and, like, two demo stations back there. Um, but I guess the thing that kind of differentiates this is uh, the thing I was playing is freely available on their Kickstarter page. It's a prototype build. So if you want to play what I played, it is available right there. So uh, Never Ending Nightmares, uh, check it out. Um, I guess the most distinctive thing about this is kind of the hand-drawn art style. Um, it, it, well, it looks hand-drawn anyway. It, it kind of just this really stark black and white, kind of almost like pencil drawings look to the game. And you play as a dude who is just having really bad nightmares and keeps waking up over and over and seeing weird, freaky stuff in, like, a mansion at night. Um, a side-scrolling game, uh, sort of an adventure gaming type thing, maybe. Like, you find a candle and then eventually an axe and kind of find your way through this house. Um, and I guess the story behind this story is get the thing getting the most traction. Um, this is the guy who made Retrograde which is that rhythm game that goes back in time. I, Sean, did you play that? Yeah, recently. Yeah, do, 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 fancy that? Or was it It was it was all right. Okay. Um I guess that game was a financial disaster. Like it just did not do well what? at all. Right. No, um Giant Bomb just put up an interview dump truck all about this. Yeah, Patrick uh was talking about it on the panel too. Um so yeah, like I saw Retrograde a few years ago too, so like I was right there at like the beginning of this dude's sink into depression, I guess, which is kind of sad to think back on. But um, so yeah, that game failed, and he got really really bummed out. Um, and he's also been suffering from OCD, so he got he, extremely bummed out. Like, yeah, extremely like severely clinically depressed. Like it was, and like I, him on this panel too. Uh, the panel was Rise of the Indies, uh, which also had um the guy who made uh, um Retro City Rampage and the gentleman behind. Uh, antechamber on there, um, but yeah, he, he was like so defeated and downbeat on that panel. It was kind of, kind of like it was just yeah, pr- pretty perspective changing, I guess, about like well, the happy crazy world of indie games. It's like no, there's like sad stuff going on too. Like you put put a lot of effort and years of your life into this thing, and it can go bad. Um, but yeah, he, he like he's essentially channeling all that uh, sadness and. OCD tendencies and like weird visions into this horror game and there's some really weird imagery in there. <laughs> like the trailer is probably more upsetting than the actual gameplay demo. Like there's there's some weird stuff in the demo, but there's like one specific like gross thing that happens in the trailer that is part of their Kickstarter video. So this could conceivably be cool. Like the look of it is pretty distinctive. Um but, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to say at this point, because, like, it's just a prototype, right? Like, there's some good ideas being presented, but it is not a game as of yet, exactly. So, yeah, that's kind of maybe part of my dilemma about, like, some of this stuff, is, like, it's not even really, like, like finished in any way, so I don't know if it's going to be good or not. Um, and I guess similarly on that front, like, I saw a game called Lifeless Planet um, in the indie mini mega booth or whatever they were calling that. Um that conceivably could be really cool. Like, the guy was saying things that spoke directly to me. Like, it's like, yeah, man, I was inspired by Twilight Zone and Eco, and it's just like, all right, well, this sounds great. 
Um, and it could be you, you play as an astronaut exploring this like big barren world, um, and the platforming stuff like seems pretty simple, like but like the kind of giant environments that an eco had. Like I, I was the one that actually brought up eco. Like this is reminding me of eco, and he's like, oh yeah, no, that was exactly like that. That was a game I really liked, and we were kind of talking about um, that stuff. And there was a jetpack sequence that reminded me of Shadows of the Empire. Which Ugh. I don't know if that's good or horrible, but um, Ugh. I did give him a little bit of feedback on that. As like, you know, after you complete that segment, you no longer have the ability to jetpack, which seemed really weirdly arbitrary to me. So I kind of like he's still f- polishing up and fixing things. And like, there was a jumping puzzle, um, that he basically was like, "Yeah, man, like everyone misses this jump. I'm totally gonna change this jump." But uh, you need to kind of approach the platform a little slower and jump from a bit further back than you'd think. And I was like, oh, "Okay," and then I got past it. But um. Yeah, so there's definitely still some refinements and stuff to this. My favorite thing about it, though, is basically, you know, the points of inspiration are really cool. Like, I love me some Twilight Zone, and the kind of big, spooky environments of Eco is a thing I've I've found pretty compelling before. So, you know, and I guess also just the weird imagery this game can provide. Like, the main image for this game is, like, a astronaut standing in, like, this big desert, but then there's a bunch of power lines going off into the horizon. And it's just a neat, surreal sight that I thought was cool, so that was kind of a standout for me. But again, you know, who knows how the final game will pan out. I, I guess this was actually funded on Kickstarter successfully, so, it, you know, who knows how the final product's going to happen, but this game's more on its way to do completion than some of the other stuff I saw there. Um, but yeah, that was that was a bit of a highlight for me. Um, Ad- Adventure Time? Oh, let's talk about Cartoon Network slash... Uh, sure. Yeah, because I played before, one of these two. Before that, breaking news. What? What? Uh, Sean's internet sucks. Yeah. Oh, is he gone so, again? <laughs> he texts me. He's like, "All right, fuck internet. I'm out. Just tell him my net my net sucks, and I'll be back next week." So <laughs> Sean will be back next week to talk about new games and hopefully not have his crappy internet. All right. That's that's a shame that we can't really ping any of his opinions on this stuff. But uh, I guess we'll just keep. At least we did some news, so you know that happened. True. But okay, let's uh let's talk about the I guess is it Cartoon Network or Adult Swim area? Uh well, there was some stuff that wasn't Cartoon Network at all because they had EDF on the other side. But let's yeah, it's all uh, Cartoon Network. Okay, I, I, so, I will say on the page that had the controls for EDF, there actually mm-hmm. was a Cartoon Network logo. So I don't know what? why are they working with those dudes? EDF is for, unless there's unless they're starting an EDF cartoon. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, but like I Which mean, would kind of be cool. Adult Swim does a lot of like unique game content on their site, so maybe they're like part publisher now and they're bringing this over. I don't know. I'm not sure. What I do know is giant spiders and ants. How 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 was that? Was it good? It was some. That was some EDF that I played there. If you played EDF 2017, I think is the or Earth Defense Force 2017. Yeah. Uh, then you will really like this game. Yeah, people are saying like return to form. Apparently, the last yeah. one was not good. Uh, I think them. I think they went a little too serious with the last one, apparently, or something like that. I never played Insect Armageddon, but I've heard not nice things. Yeah, same here. Um... But uh, this one played a lot like 2017. Uh, there was a new character class, or at least I think they might add it in the portable version. Mm-hmm. The uh, the flying class. So I was flying around as this female like Valkyrie, essentially shooting like lightning bolts from the sky and like dodging spiders. It was pretty cool. Straight up flying, or just a jetpack? Straight, well, jetpack, but pretty much straight up flying. Okay, okay. Like I could I could dodge up for up down left right. 
but there was a limit to how much I could fly, and then I'd have to eventually land. And uh, your fuel or ability to recharge your weapon was also associated with your jetpack. So if you were flying around too much and needed to reload, mm-hmm. you would eventually just start siphoning power from your jetpack and couldn't fly anymore. So you needed to land to recharge both, which was kind of an interesting way of balancing it. Okay. And it kind of makes sure that it's not super broken. You just don't stay in the sky all the time. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. I kind of looked over dude's shoulder while he was playing it and was like, yeah, this this looks about right. I don't know. There's giant stuff and you're shooting it. And, okay. Um, so I don't know. That, that that looks potentially cool. Uh, the Adventure, to- Adventure Time game? There's a new one? Yep. There's the second Adventure Time game called Adventure Time. Explore the dungeon because, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. So, at least they're transparent about the formula they're playing with. I don't know. Is, is, I, I'm is pretty sure that's just that's just a, a joke time joke. Yeah. yeah. Is it uh, Zelda esque? What are they going oh, for? Oh no! You know what? It, this is the easiest comparison to make to this is the original Gauntlet. Okay. This is like playing the original Gauntlet. Four players. Each character has like different class perks and stuff like that. And you can equip badges to change your abilities. There's sub weapons you can pick up. There are enemy generators that you must smash that are just piles of bones. They just keep spitting out enemies. That is that is Gauntlet, and if you think it's anything else, you are crazy. Okay, I didn't actually play it, so I was not... Yeah, not if you play the original Gauntlet, then you play that Adventure Time game, at least going through the dungeons, you'll be like, wow, this is Gauntlet. I guess there hasn't been a Gauntlet game in a while, right? So, it's true, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. I played it with four players. Mm-hmm. I could see it being fun, but I mean, you've also got to be the kind of person who likes Gauntlet. So if you don't like Gauntlet, then you're not going to get that much enjoyment out of it. Yeah, like I, I, I similarly have kind of qualified thoughts on a regular show, uh, Trapped in Eight Bit Land, or Mordecai and Rigby in Eight Bit Land. Um, I mean, it's got those characters in it. That's cool. They're jumping around, and there's some kind of in jokes from the show. But Ultimately, I don't know. It, it's a pretty straightforward left-right platformer. Um, well, to be fair, kind of, so was uh, Hey Ice King. Why'd you steal our garbage? That's that was just a pretty general platformer. That was that was pretty much Zelda two. Okay. Did they have like video cutscenes in it, or was it kind of just like still shot? It was all sprites. It, it was done my way forward. Yeah. Okay. Um. Or, yeah. At least I, I don't know if the new one is. Based on how the sprites look, I almost like they're not as detailed as a uh, way forward usually is, but I could see it being their kind of bag. Okay, I, I guess I wasn't really put off by the sprites or anything in this. It was just gameplay wise, it's kind of frustrating. Like it was just it was brain dead simple, but at the same time like uncompromising. Like it's just like, oh yeah, you got hit, you're dead, and you're just like, okay, I guess I'll just go do that all over again. Wait, what game? Uh, Mordecai and Rigby. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, that looked like it was a straightforward platformer, so that makes sense. Yeah, it, it was, but then kind of like a weird sense of difficulty that didn't seem to kind of, you know, oh, it's deliberately old school or something. It was just like, I don't, it's just not fun at some point. Like, I, I you know, I am I have enthusiasm for that show and those dudes. It was just, you know, without those voices too, like that was maybe one of my issues with just the presentation of it is it's like, Imagine a regular show episode if it was just in text, and at that point it's just like, well, I don't know. Like you lose like sixty percent of the charm. Admittedly, Adventure Time game, or at least uh, Hey Ice King, was like that. Like, but there were like some small. There were some small clips of like audio. Like I know Lumpy Space Princess would say, "Oh my glob." Okay. Okay. Uh, Just like things like that. But I don't know. Like it's just 
It's like I guess it was like not really working for me as fan service, so that's kind of all I really wanted. And then as a video game, like it's just like it's pretty simple. I I don't know. Like if you want to play as this giant blue jay and a raccoon, you know, going through the world picking up tons of money. Uh, that's there you go. But yeah, I was maybe a little underwhelmed by that game. I think we brought it up before as like a news story when it was announced. So I've been kind of like, oh cool, a regular show game, and then to actually play, I was kind of like, ah. Alright, uh, this was on 3DS, like, the, the 3D effect is kind of just the parallax scrolling thing, pretty simple, um, but yeah, I, I don't know, I was maybe a little bit let down by that one, but hey, you know what was pretty awesome? John? Hmm. You know what game was awesome at PAX 2013? What? PAX Prime? Uh, what? Pong. It's pretty good. That's a pretty sweet game, you're right. You ever play that game, Pong? Got, sure have. That's the first game I ever played. Awesome. It was like one of the first games that there were, to my knowledge. So, cool. It's high up on that list. Yeah. I, I There's a little dial on it. It was kind of like a little thing hooked into a TV. Um, the classic console lounge. I actually spent some time there. And... I'm surprised. I don't think you have in the past. Have no, you? I haven't in the past. But um, I think it was the night we went to go to the Cards Against Humanity panel. I actually saw you on our way to that. Um, Right after I said, oh, hey. Uh, we found out the panel was full, and we couldn't go. Yeah, that's also kind of why I was like, nah, it's probably not going to be able to... We were an hour and change beforehand, so I... That doesn't surprise me, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, that was a that was a packed theater, apparently, so we weren't able to go. Um, So yeah, we ended up kind of heading back to eat at the Double Fine party, and then leaving to just go kill some time playing video games. So I played Pong, Enduro... Uh, Finally got to see that again after many years. Um, I, I'm still not 100% sure if my like nostalgia-coded brain is misremembering that game or if there was actually more to it in like the 7800 version or something, or if I'm cross-pollinating those memories with a completely different racing game. Because um, this does have the day-night cycle thing where it, you're driving all night. But well, that was the big thing with Enduro. Yeah, and that's super cool. Uh, but there's no fuel stations, so that must have been a different racing game. You're probably thinking of racing. I don't remember that being an Enduro at all. Okay, because like there was some other Atari racing game I had where you needed to kind of be mindful of your gas and stop at it a gas station. It wasn't pole position, was it? No, it was not. Um, but that era for sure. So I, I'm still kind of on a weird memory quest to find out what that was. But the main thing I remembered from Enduro that was still true is when it's night, all the cars are two red lights. And I thought that looked really neat because they just simplify it right down to just like, yeah, man, the back lights on the car, that's all you get to see because it's dark and you're just driving at night. And, and you can drive through most of the car because there's literally just lights there at that point, we discovered. So, you know, Atari. Um, but yeah. Um, after that, we, oh, we played a little bit of Yars Revenge, too. That game is weird. Yeah, no, that's a super... It just looks broken. Super not good game. Yeah. I don't, what do you even do? Like, there's that big band of nonsense in the middle, and then you cross it and start shooting at this thing. You gotta destroy the thing on the right, I believe, with, like, the, the power sphere. The power core has to hit 
Okay. The, the, yeah, the the power sphere has to hit the power core, but it, you can't hit it because it'll hurt you. Yeah. And it has to go through the wall, and like there's yards like flying bug <sighs> armies also there. Or that's yard. I can't remember the what yard. It's is. weird. It's weird and broken, but it looks awesome on a screen, just sitting in the background of like this old like they had they had great old TVs there. They had an Hitachi TV that was basically like my childhood television. So it was really freaky seeing like wow. Atari being played on, like, my old TV essentially just existed there. It was, like, amazing flashback memories to, like, five years old playing that thing. Um, but, yeah, they also had a game there called Princess Rescue, which is a pretty recent, like, uh, bad bootleg Mario game that someone put on a Atari cart. What did you say it was called? Uh, Princess Rescue. Okay. Have you have you seen this? It's basically just, hey man, what if you tried to make Mario levels but on this like really limited memory and like really simple color palette and all this stuff. The music they actually approximate amazingly well. Um, but everything else just feels like really clunky and weird, but it's kind of neat to see as like a spectacle. That that seemed to be the game they were like defaulting to on the Atari cuz a lot of people weren't interested in Atari games for some reason. Um that would be the one they just pop in because people would be like, wait, what, what, why does Mario look wrong? And then sit down and kind of look at it for a few minutes. So that was kind of neat. Um, and then I played Jordan Mechner's Karataka on an Apple II. And <laughs> how, how was that for you? It was pretty good. I got a lot farther than I thought I would because I, I got, I was getting kind of kicked around. I, I faced off against the Eagle, um, got hit a couple times. And then, I don't know, I probably fought like eight or nine dudes before I was d- destroyed. Probably means you got close then. I don't know. I think I was like. Isn't there only like twelve bosses in that game? I'm not sure. It's I, if it's like the remake at all. There's three main areas, so I think I was at the end of the second area. Oh, okay. Um, so considering I was like not doing like you know just kind of clicking on this weird joystick they had, um, and trying to figure it out as I played, uh, I felt I did okay. I didn't want to give it another shot though, but it was kind of neat to see that game. Um. And yeah, I guess we also spent a little bit of time in the just uh, arcade lounge too, uh, where I played an amazing Noah's Ark game that was not amazing. You basically just walk down the screen and pair up, like grab one animal, head back up, mm-hmm. head back down, grab another one, head back up, and then they go inside the ark. And then game you do it five, like four more times, and then you leave that area. The entire It floods... But then the floods go down again, and then you just do it again. So that didn't quite fit my memories of the story. Uh, a rainbow appears at the end of each stage. I don't know. It was a weird thing. Um, but also, there was a Super Mario World pinball table, which I didn't know existed. Oh, yeah. No, that game, that's a really sweet pinball table. I really like it. It's a weird. It's kind of weird, though, because it's like bridging Mario 3 and Super Mario World in terms of like the art and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like some of the things you're seeing are like, oh, the frog suit wasn't in Super Mario World, but this is clearly the art from, like, the Super Mario World manual in terms of the Koopa Kids and everything. So it was, like, this weird, like, halfway between the two games thing. But, yeah, it was a fun pinball table. Um, I don't know. I didn't know that existed before I went there, so I'm assuming you've encountered it before based on your yep. reaction. Uh, I played it at MAGFest, and I, I played it as a kid, actually. I remember that tape of when I was super young. Yeah, came out in 92, so I don't know. It, it was neat to see. I, I was glad I played it, but uh, yeah. And then, man, Donkey Kong is crazy. Like, it game's hard. People weren't joking around. That was a weird <laughs> game. But more importantly, I finally got to play Burger Time, and that game's rad. I thought it was great. 
you're running around on giant hamburgers, and there's like hot dogs and eggs trying to murder you, and it's just weird. Like that was just some good old video game logic that didn't need to make sense because it was kind of fun, and you're just running across giant buns and making hamburgers, and then breakfast sandwiches. I don't know. I've I've been thwarted before in playing Burger Time. Like there was like they have one at Boogie Burger here in town, but it mm-hmm. it just never worked. Like I would put in a quarter, and it's just like, no, nah, man and left depressed, like, both times I tried to do that. Um, and then, first day of PAX, too, we went in there, and it was out of order. I was just like, what? I'm never gonna get to play Burger Time. Um, but then, there was, and I got to play it, and it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty fun. Galaxian is also weird. Anyway, we played a bunch of old stuff. Did you find your way to the lounges at any point? Did you bother with those, or? I was in the classic console room for quite a while, or, like, any random chances I had. Okay, what'd you, what'd you get up to? I entered a couple tournaments. Okay. Uh, I got to play uh, Typing in the Dead for a challenge. Okay. Uh, I did not do well. My my friend who was in the car with me got uh, the gold medal, though, for Typing the Dead. Nice. Uh, I entered the minigame tournament. Minigame tournament? Yeah, they, they picked, like, random minigames from, like, a bunch of random games, and you you would play a different one each round, and then you got to try to get to the end. That sounds cool. I ended up getting second place in that. I lost to a friend and fellow LP or K-Head. Okay. So uh, we had to play two minigames from Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, like one each. Uh, some uh, targeting range from Perfect Dark, uh, versus mode in Dynasty Warriors 4, and then uh, battle mode in Mario Brothers 3 All-Stars. Okay. Neat. Yep. I also entered uh, the Mario Kart Wii tournament and got third place in that. But apparently this was the only year where they're only giving out gold medals. So I, while I should have earned two medals, I got nothing. Oh, like there's no silver, no bronze? just go. No silver, no bronze. You know in your heart you got second, but you have no yeah. evidence. That kind of sucks. Oh. I was hoping this year would have been the year I got gold medals, because last year I got two silvers and a bronze, but nope. This time it was nothing. Man, I'm just looking at my list of games, and the last one I have on here it could not be more depressing, so maybe we shouldn't talk about it. But... Now that I've said it, I might as well elaborate. I, I'm also also super curious about this. Okay, um, this game was called That Dragon Cancer, and it was on the Ooh Yeah, and it is basically like this meditative poem this father made after, like, like about his son combating cancer. Um, and like I I don't know, it was like. Such a weird experience to kind of be sitting there playing this kind of, like, uh, basically an interactive poem. Like, you're just kind of walking around this uh, hotel room and kind of different voice clips will play. And then not really knowing, what, like, how this story ended in real life, but not wanting to ask because, like, the dude was right there. So it's just like, you know, you take off the headphones after you finish the demo and you're just kind of like, I, like, I don't, is his son okay? I have no idea. Like, what do I do? And then I just, like, was like, alright, thank you, and, like, walked away. Because, like, I don't know. I don't know how to give impressions of that game without kind of being, like, invasive or something. It, like, it's kind of neat that he would open up in this form like that, but I, I don't know what to make of that, you know? Like, it was, it was an interesting thing, but, uh, very, like, very simple mechanically. Like, you just kind of click, like, almost like a mist like thing you're just kind of clicking on the next area you want to go to and it'll kind of transition over there and then something will play um so it's almost like just like an audio diary but about a real life thing so i know another one of my friends was talking about it he said it was an amazing experience to take in mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, yeah, like it was, it was certainly unique, but like I, I don't know, I like I, my head was still filled with questions, but I like wasn't about to ask them. Like, it's just like, was that your voice? Like, were those clips of the crying kid like real? Like, I don't know. What you know? It's just kind of weird, strange thing. But um, yeah, that that, that was running on Ouya. Um, so you know, yeah, I ran into a bug at one point, but they pointed it out to me once I was there. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, boiling that down to like just a gameplay breakdown or whatever seems a little rude, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that I'm not sure where else that thing is available if you can check it out. But uh, it's supposed to be PlayStation, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah, maybe that that was uh right next to uh Neverending Nightmares. So it was kind of uh okay. So I probably I saw the area, but then just didn't recognize it. I guess yeah, like me standing in line for Never Ending Nightmares, I was like, oh wait, what? There's this other game here. I'll just play this and like you know jumped in and not, not really knowing the gravity of the situation, I suppose. Um, and then started bawling incessantly. No, just kind of more like froze up and was just like, oh, this is really really personal. Um, he was on a panel, I guess, discussing kind of that that aspect of it. So maybe that would be good to watch. I'm not sure what all panels actually are available like that, though. Like, I know the Kraken Theater was live-streaming, but some of them Kra- weren't. The two of them were. Kraken, I want to say Surfant, but I might be wrong on that. Okay. So, some panels are available for people to check out, like, retroactively, but um, I'm not sure if that one was. Um, and I guess, I didn't play it, but I went to the Fantasia thing, like the demo. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, th- it was kind of a presentation and them kind of behind the scenes, I guess, and some of the workshopping how to make that game um it's kind of neat but i don't know i I, electroplankton does seem to be a good comparison point um in terms of it's like musical toys essentially but they do they do try to kind of weave them into like very distinct areas with different kind of tones and moods and whatever um and they're kind of you know more so inspired by fantasia than making a Fantasia game, you know, like, this is not, hey, all those, all your favorite sequences from the movie are going to be in this game, it's like, no, it's not, like, an adaptation, it is, like, another Fantasia experience, um, so it's, it's got a lot of original content in it, um, and it seemed potentially kind of cool, but I don't know, I, I, I'm not, like, is that, it's a connect experience, right, so I'm already kind of just negative about those (laughs) in general, like the smoothness of that working out, I'm not sure. Um, but conceivably, this could be a neat, like musical visual experience or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm not really like kind of them going through the process of like how they determined what was the best approach for this was kind of neat. Like they started with kind of um, like animated stories essentially that you would periodically kind of poke at and kind of encourage along like it was almost like watching an animated short of two birds flying around a forest but then periodically the players kind of pushing a button essentially to keep it happening they determined that was not the best way to go because like players would get stuck and the story would kind of lag and it would be really weird and disconcerting so they decided to then kind of experiment with areas so there was like a desert that you then like uh go to a different time period when it was a lush like forest and stuff that was kind of a early workshop thing. And then the thing we saw was like basically under the sea, like, but it, it was, it was weird. It was more so reminding me of like little mermaid visually than anything in Fantasia. But 
you're basically chilling out underwater, hitting different seashells and stuff, um, making drum beats and whatever by kind of messing around with like the little things you unlock in the world. And then the way licensed music factors into it is you're essentially remixing a track with different instrumentations and stuff um, on the go. And it's basically telling you to do uh, specific arm gestures and swooping arm movements like a conductor or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bohemian Rhapsody was playing, and then you'd kind of approach these branching points where it's just like, all right, do you want the next bit to be guitars, drums, or bass? And then you choose bass, but it's not like just the bass track of the master recording. It is like a or- orchestral bass, and it's like very different sounding. And then you know weird chimes and all this stuff. So like, they they there's got to be all sorts of weird different permutations of the music in there, which is kind of neat because then like your arrangement of it is sort of unique because you made all these different choices over the course of playing the song. Um, but yeah, I mean, with any kind of rhythm game though, like the music they choose for you is kind of going to be a big impact on the whether or not that's a thing I want to play. So that there are names like Bruno Mars and Fun on the list is not, you know, I'm already kind of shrugging. So, Queen is cool. <laughs> but, that I don't... sound too excited. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really, and I feel kind of bad, because they, they did put on a good presentation that was pretty thorough, but I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure how compelling a package that will be, because, like, it'll be like, well, I, you know, I enjoy playing around with these weird like electroplankton-esque music toys and making loops and doing kind of weird, you know, waving around from my television like I am the Elite Beat agent or something. But when you get right down to, like, the song list, like, that's kind of a big factor. And someone asked during the panel, like, will there be DLC for this game? Like, will there be other songs and stuff? And it's like, well, if it's successful, yes. If not, no. So that makes sense. But again, I I don't know. Like, as a $60 package or whatever, it's, it's a little... A little weird, you know, but, I mean, Fantasia is kind of all about being a little weird in a way. Like, that was an experimental animation film at the time, so, you know, if you're if you're a diehard Fantasia guy, that's cool. But I, I was maybe a little perplexed after that, that presentation. Um, how do you feel about Fantasia, John? Are you excited? Not really. Okay. Do you like uh, that wizard hat Mickey has? It looks kind of nice. Do you want a baseball cap version of that hat? No. Okay, because they were giving away those, and I have one, and I don't know <laughs> what to do with it. That's what those hats were for. I kept seeing people wearing those star hats. I'm like, they where are those? Yeah, on? I know. It was like a mystery for a lot of this. It's just like, is this just like a new fashion trend I missed or something? Like, what's going on? Is this is this like a Homestar Runner? That was my initial guess. It was like, there's a star on it. Is this what? And then it's like, oh, on the back it says Fantasia. Um, so yeah, they're, they're Fantasia caps and they're, they were everywhere. Um, but I don't know. That was, that was a thing. And I think that's all I've really seen from the packs. Did you want to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Close it out. Sure. Uh, did I mention everything? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, I'm playing the new Ninja Turtles now because I got to get a review out by tomorrow night or by the time you're listening to it, it's probably tonight. Yeah. And I'm uh, not really feeling it. Oh, no. Why? What happened? It doesn't handle well. Uh, imagine they, they tried to transfer the Arkham Asylum style of combat 
Yeah, game. that's a cool combat system. But and when it works, it works great and it feels awesome. Yeah. But there's a lot of points where you'll just suddenly not be able to like continue your combo or like you'll just stop fighting and it'll just be like, really weird. I don't know. It's like you know how the Arkham games had kind of a, a rhythm to their combat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ima- imagine like that rhythm, but just it randomly pausing. What, like just a stutter or like a kind frame of, rate yeah. Thing? Like the the controls for some of your moves are too complex to actually animate. Use them, properly. yeah, to use them well. And sometimes they just won't work, or you'll accidentally like miss an attack and just completely lose your combo. Ah. If you actually if you actually care about combo, then it'll frustrate you. If you just want to beat people up and not care about score or like getting too much experience. And it's not as bad. Okay. That definitely sounds problematic, though. Yeah, like, I mean, it, there's some pretty elaborate feels... animations in Arkham, but... You yeah, know. no, the animation, the animations in Ninja Turtles look really nice. I'll give it that. Okay. Like, you f- you feel like these are all things that the actual Turtles would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, their, their animations look super flippy and, like, ninja-like, so they got that down. But, like, there's, like, a, a heavy focus on countering the game. Like, ridiculously heavy. Like, well, and, like, uh, the flash above their head... And yeah, like there's a whole body like... flash, but the the problem is, you almost need to hit the counter button before they even show that they're going to attack if you want to properly counter. Weird. So the otherwise you will just block tight. the attack. Okay. And that again will interrupt your combo or what? Uh, no, blocking will like freeze your combo in place. Thankfully, you don't lose your combo if you block. Okay. But there's a block meter, and if you block too many times, your block gets broken, and then you can't even counter. Right. So, so then, like, split-second demands on that? or Kind of, yeah. And especially for, like, there's, like, four different types of combos that can be blocked mm-hmm. or that will give you flashes. One is just a white standard combo counter. Green is, like, a super move, which means you need a super counter to use it, which uh, at the start of the game only Mikey has. Okay. Uh, red means unblockable, so just dodge out of the way. And yellow means it's part of a combo, so you're going to have to keep, like, you're going to have to hold down the counter button and then you'll you'll block a bunch of moves, and then they'll just do a normal white attack that you can counter. Mm-hmm. But all meanwhile, while you're blocking that combo, you're taking hits to your block meter. So it's entirely possible to try to block the combo perfectly, but I still have your guard broken and get hit. Okay. Like, is the bulk of the gameplay this fighting stuff, or is there a lot of environmental jumping around? Or there, there's uh, I'll call it platforming, but really it's just running around. Okay. But, like, the main focus is the combat, and it's just, it's not as good as Arkham. And I think maybe my expectations of Arkham are kind of skewing that as a result. Right. But, like, there there are points, there were points today where I legitimately got frustrated and just kind of yelled, what, during the com- the challenge rooms? Like, I was trying to tie together a perfect combo. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as I was swinging in for the slow motion hit on the final guy, he managed to get a punch off before my nunchucks hit him, and I lost my combo and got hit. Ah. There are other points where I just, like, I got hit and then I couldn't even recover into it. I just got, like, hit, 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 hit by five guys and pretty much died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a, I don't know if it's, I want to say it's a stricter rhythm than the Arkham games are or if there's just, like, flaws with it. Like, you know how in you'll almost, like, fly towards the next enemy in uh, the Arkham games, which will help you keep it more free-flowing? Yeah. That's not in this game. If you hit, like, left and attack to an enemy who's, like, just a little bit away from you, you probably won't run to him. You'll just swing your weapon and lose your combo. So you've got to like run over to him and make sure. The, yeah, the free flow connecting is not there, hmm. which I think was a key factor in the Arkham games. Yeah, for sure. 
so that it approximates so, it enough to remind you of this better execution on that. Like that can't yeah. be helping. Okay. It also doesn't help that the camera is like super crappy. That, that like you'll get in combat and then like, it'll start getting too close to you, or especially if there's walls nearby, and then you can't really see if you're where you're being attacked from, and you get attacked from all sides. Yeah. Man. So you need to like keep. I need to constantly keep zooming the camera up and out. If I can, which really just up usually fixes that problem. But it's just kind of a, a headache. And the cam- the camera doesn't like go to an optimal position or follow your movement. So you have to physically control the camera while doing all this half the time. Mm-hmm. And you also have to keep in mind that to use some of your special moves, they're mapped to the right stick. You have a special meter underneath your character that lets you use like up to three special moves, depending on if you've got them unlocked through leveling up. Okay. The inputs are either quarter circle forward, half circle forward, or a 360 motion on the right thumbstick. But the motions have to be in specific spots. Like, the the quarter circle motion has to be from the left or the right to up. Mm -hmm. The half circle motion has to be from down to up. So, and trying to do that while just doing these free-flowing combos is not good. I've lost a bunch of combos just because the game did not read my input correctly and did either the wrong move or nothing at all. Okay. This sounds like so, needlessly complex. It's yeah, kind of weird. No, I don't. I think they tried. I think they bit off too much more than they could chew. Okay. So I don't know. I I'm not really feeling the game. It's probably the video is probably going to be a you should avoid. But I'm try. I have to finish the game first. It's apparently super short too, which is good in this case. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I feel like I might have more or less to say about it once I've gotten the full review done. Because, like, like, my my notes from the review just keep bouncing back and forth between positive and negative. So, Summer of Arcade 2013. Two good games, two bad games. Yeah. Or one bad game and one mediocre game. Well, that's a shame. But there you go. Turtles. Last Turtles game I played was probably TMNT, like, 07. That I thought was I that okay. One, that one was not too bad. I thought, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like simple Prince of Persia esque thing, but uh, yeah, it was okay. I mean, the reason everyone played it was points, but uh, yeah, thousand points, dude. Easy thousand. Anyway, is that all for games this week? Pretty much. Yep, and that pretty much covers everything as well that we've talked about. Yeah, because we kind of wove the news games. into there, which is weird. So uh, I guess we're just on to questions then. Um, yeah. Close it out. Let's make sure. Yeah, we did talk about everything. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, if you want to send us some questions, uh, toptownperspective at gmail dot com. Uh, there's a Twitter page as well. Uh, Twitter account TDP podcast. Um, and then emails. Then there's Facebook. And yes, uh, emails. That is a way to do that. Um, we got a br- brief update on uh, the dilemma from last week uh, regarding whether or not to ask someone out who you've known a long time. Um, I'm not sure how much to divulge really, but uh, apparently it was awkward. So Betty sent us an update on that, and that's a shame, but that that's kind of how that goes sometimes, so I wouldn't be too worried about it. I don't know. How do you feel about this, Sean? Mm, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel getting it out, getting it out there is the important thing to do. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't regret that, but, um, you know, that's that's how things go sometimes open openness yeah anyway uh we got a question from cody uh what is your favorite game that has been released this year mine was tomb raider but was recently replaced by saints row 4 
Hmm. I have to remember what came out this year. Uh, Papers, Please is pretty good. That's a good game. Dive Kick's pretty good. Uh, Rayman Legends is excellent. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we've also got Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite that came out this year. Yeah, I, I guess of those, Last of Us was more interesting to me, but it's not my top one for sure. Um, and that's not me being elitist. I just actually thought Papers, Please was really interesting. Um, Gone Home was kind of cool. Uh, there's a long... I don't know how useful, but there's a podcast about it that Paul and I did over on Pixel Response. Um, so if you want to... If you've beaten it, if you've played it, there's, you know, bounce... You know, see how our thoughts resemble or are totally dissimilar from your own. If you haven't played it, though, don't, don't do that. Um, anyway, th- yes, th- th- those are some. I haven't played all of Tomb Raider. I wasn't exactly enamored with what I had, but uh, maybe I'll give that a complete shot by the end of the year. Um, I have so many AAAs from this year I need to play through. Yeah, I mean, Saints Row... F- I also forgot Tomb Raider was... I also forgot Tomb Raider was this year. Yeah, it was so. pretty early, but uh, that that was one. Um, Saints, Saints Row 4 definitely looks like something that might be fun to check out at some point. Um, yeah, just crack down. No, I agree on that. I gotta... I want to play through number 3 before I worry about 4, though. Yeah... I guess that might be a good idea. Like, as doofy as that story is, they do kind of keep track of it all. Um, which, if you've played all of them, which I have, that, that'll that probably pay off in some sort of in-jokey ways. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, that, that'll that eventually happen. I'm not sure that would be, a, you know, again, a number one contender. But I, I haven't really ranked it yet. I think I did actually make a preliminary list over on uh, Giant Bomb of some of the ones that have been standing out this year. And I think it was most of the ones we just talked about. Uh, Rogue Legacy, I think, was also on there, because that was a cool game. So, yeah, check that out. But whatever, those are more general. Uh, what was the the standout game for this week? John, hmm. what was the game? I'm going to say Sean's was probably Rayman Legends, but he's not here. See, that. the problem is Rayman Legends is on this list for me. Yeah, so you could give it to that. Because otherwise it'd be between Tiny Brains and Towerfall. Okay. Out of games that are not out yet, Tiny Brains. Okay. Out of games that are out now, if you, Rayman Legends. But Towerfall is a very close second, but does not take it because it's on the ooh yeah. Burn. Take that, ooh yeah. When it's when it gets on Steam, then it's definitely going to be my game of the week. Okay, unless it's on like a super. Well, it's also going to be next year, so never mind. Okay, I guess if we're going to do it like that, um, of games that aren't out yet, I guess just because it synced up with my headspace so well, Lifeless Planet. That was a cool thing. Hopefully, it turns out, but um. There's definitely some kind of elements of it that I thought were pretty cool. Uh, of stuff that's out? Oh, weird. Um, Burger Time is the game of the week. Head to, <laughs> All right. head to your local arcade and hope it's there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to recommend playing Burger Time because apparently that like HD like remake thing or whatever they did was terrible. Um, wasn't there like an, yeah, there was a downloadable version of Burger Time, right? It was just garbage. Yeah, and there was a remake a little while ago, too. Yeah, I heard the remake was not good, so if you could find an original Burger Time cabinet in your 
vicinity, it's worth a quarter. <laughs> I don't know. Good luck with that. Though. Yeah, good luck with that. Track down a Burger Time cabinet. That's my recommendation. Yeah, t- Tower Fall was released June 25th, 2013 as an OUYA exclusive. This exclusivity agreement lasts six months. Okay. So, and yeah, it has to be next year when Tower Fall comes out for Steam. Yeah. But uh, that'll be cool. That's a fun game. So that that is a kind of tenant, you know, future endorsement probably. Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us again. Uh, top down perspective at Gmail, TDP podcast, and the Facebook page. Um, there you go. I, I hopefully Sean will join us properly <laughs> next week. That was kind of weird, but a uh, little bit. Yeah, packs that happened. See you next time. Take it easy. I'm tired. <laughs> Yawn. Yawn. Sorry. Energetic close. Energetic ending. Good night.